You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. The winter meetings are back. After two years of absolute nothing, we are back to action in Major League Baseball during December and is absolutely fabulous. That's right. We are coming to you live, the commander and myself, from the Manchester Hyatt in San Diego as I am back home as we're going to have a lot of fun the next three days. But more importantly, we're going to be giving you all the coverage of what's going on here in Major League Baseball. This is where the baseball world meets in the winter and comes together. Let me tell you, you go down to the lobby right now, it's a who's who that covers this game, that people who run this game, everywhere you look, it's someone that you either know or you recognize. For myself, it's somebody that I've interviewed on a pregame show before. It absolutely is crazy. I ran into our old friend Sam Fold, the outfielder, just moments ago as I was getting coffee. We ran into Sandy Alderson earlier today. I mean, it is just unbelievable what we have seen so far here in San Diego. A good friend's going to be joining us coming up here at 115, Mark Gonzalez, who covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. He was like, well, the first guy. We actually we got out of the Uber today. We ran into Bobby Evans as soon as we got out of the Uber and, uh, and ran into Bobby, the former GM of the San Francisco Giants, who was so good to us. You know, it, it's not always that people with the Giants were good to people with the Oakland A's, but Bobby was always so generous to us. So uh, ran into Bobby Evans. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, it's been a bucket list thing for me that I've always wanted to do to come to the winter meetings. I've been very fortunate, covered Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup, U.S. Opens and everything. But I've always wanted to do the winter meetings and Commander Cody, uh, the same thing. Pretty cool, isn't it? It's great to be here. And the one thing that I'm really excited about is it's also a bucket list thing for me as well. Being able to be here for this is being a baseball fan growing up. It's and being around this and being around all you know all thirty major league teams and GMs and owners and how many beat writers we've seen, people we've had on the show, all the national writers, to. yeah. I mean, all the broadcasters. My buddy Kevin Franzen. Uh, one of San Jose State great has uh, stopped by. He'll join us later on during the week as he's here with all the – I mean, it, it basically is everybody who's a who's who in baseball is here. I mean, for example, we're going to have Brian Kinney, MLB Network, at 2 o'clock. Matt Vaskersian, the big A's fan, at 2.30. Dave Stewart's going to join us at 3. Kevin Cash is going to be here at 3.50, the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, every, all the managers, all the general managers – all the presidents and vice presidents of baseball operations, we're all under one building today. 
Uh, I mean, you mentioned Bobby Evans earlier. Bobby Evans is probably going to stop by the set. He hasn't. I haven't heard him do an interview since the departure from the Giants, so we'll be nice to ha- catch up with Bobby Evans here. Uh, I'm asking him to try to do it later on today. He said he's in meetings right now. So. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy. I mean, you know, this is – you know, Bobby kind of got thrown under the bus. And, and we'll talk to Bobby, and, and Bobby's always so gracious with his time. But, I mean, he got thrown under the bus as they were talking about they still wanted to win and they still wanted to spend money, and all of a sudden they got old and started losing. Everybody blamed Bobby. It's not that – well, Bobby was still there when they won the three titles, so – uh, good. Bobby Evans will be right. Mike Farron will be here at one thirty from Sirius XM. Also covers the Arizona Diamondbacks. So we got a, a jam-packed schedule and all ready to start the meeting. So the meeting started yesterday, but, it, but today is the day that, it, you know, everybody comes in. You know, Brian Cashman's coming in from the New York Yankees, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, Brian Cashman's here to make the big offer to Garrett Cole. You know, we had Scott Boris basically stretching this thing out all the way into February last year. Manny Machado stretched out to February. That's not the case this year. One of the big names is off the board. Steven Strasburg has signed a seven-year, $245 million deal to stay with the Nats, a full no-trade clause. So he's going to pitch well into his late 30s. And he now has the new record of average annual value of a contract at $35 million a year. So the first big move. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how do you fix the winter meetings. There's been a lot of issues with the winter meetings being so slow and no one wants to sign and everybody wants to wait. That is not the case this year. And I just wonder, and it's something that I'll talk about in the next couple days, is the basically shots fired by Major League Baseball. You know, Major League Baseball, coming from New York, the commissioner's office, has basically said, we're not afraid to start making changes in the game. And you got all these people that have worked around baseball for a long time who haven't seen any change. Well, baseball's talked about it, about changing a lot of different things, including the winter meetings. And it's like, hey, if you guys aren't going to, hey, this is a big showcase for our game. We're one of the very few sports that has something like this. And if there's going to be no deals and there's going to be no buzz, we're going to change it. And I wonder, just just wondering out loud, just the talk about changing the winter meetings, how much that got people more involved this year about getting stuff done. Because, you know, if this was last year, does Strasburg get this done basically on the first official day of the winter meetings? Probably not. Garrett Cole supposedly wants to sign before we get out of here. So this is great. I mean, the fact that this is our first year here, A's cast live, so much to talk about, and that's what's going to be great about having Mark Gonzalez on is, you know, there's already a lot of rumors. A lot of people are interested in Chris Bryant, third baseman of the Chicago Cubs. People are still waiting about his hearing with the arbitrator about whether he's going to be granted free agency uh, a year earlier. But the Cubs are looking to shake it up. The Cubs are looking to do some things. And then we're going to be tracking down some people from the Dodgers because they really are the team waiting in the weeds. Andrew Friedman, president of baseball operations, over the years while still trying to win, has done an unbelievable job about getting them underneath the luxury tax. The penalty's now gone, and they got money to spend. And as much as there's been the talk about the Yankees and the Angels for Garrett Cole, What about the Dodgers sitting? Anthony Rendon they've been rumored to be talking to. 
one of the really fun things about coming to these type events, and really it reminds me of the Final Four. So when you go to the Final Four, whatever city it's in, and you're at the main hotel, and that's where there's a radio row is, like where we are now. In the lobby, is it's just so crowded with a great energy because there's so many people who are there for the Final Four. They're there to try and get a job. It's like a job fair. I can tell you where we are, and not to kind of, I'm not going to give up the names, but basically where we are in the hotel, the second deck, overlooking what would be called Seaport Village here, down near the water in San Diego, there is a, a veranda with tables. And I can tell you there was Oakland A's employees. They, they didn't see us. We saw them conducting interviews. This is also like a big job fair. People come here to showcase. They get meetings, and they come to showcase their wares as they want to either switch organizations, get in with an organization, I can tell you a lot of the young guys that I saw. So I went outside here on this veranda, and I was taking some notes, and I was actually listening. I don't know who the organization was, but I was listening to them talking to this hitting guru guy. And I got to listen to four guys pepper this one guy about hitting and about teaching, and I don't know who any of them are, so I have no clue. They they would probably be lower-level type. It wasn't, wasn't necessarily big league people. But it's pretty fascinating. And this is where you're having all these new Harvard and Yale and Ivy League data crunchers who come to shop, you know, what their skills are in helping these teams get better in Major League Baseball and to help these analytic departments. You got a lot of smart people here. And this is the Manchester Hyatt right on the water. It's absolutely beautiful. But you got a lot of people coming here to get into baseball and to get jobs or to switch organizations. There's a lot of secret meetings. There's meetings like we saw outside of us that are out in the open, but then there's a lot of meetings that are going on that are secret meetings. But this is where the baseball world has come to play for the next couple days, and at the end of this we'll have the Rule 5 draft. And, you know, the Rule 5 draft is changing dramatically. Why? Well, because they're adding a roster spot. There's going to be 26 guys on the roster now. So now, especially a lot of these teams that are rebuilding, you can kind of take a flyer now on a, on a Rule 5 pick that you may not have taken years before. Throughout the weekend, we're going to be joined by some – throughout the week, I should say, we're going to be joined by some of the biggest names in the game. The Mad Dog, Chris Russo, is going to stop by tomorrow. We're going to have Billy Bean. We're going to have Bob Melvin. Jim Duquette. Jim Duquette, former GM. Probably David Forst, who, although you told him last week that he didn't have to do it here. Forst has had to do a lot with me lately. I don't know if Forst is going to want to, because I had to host that event with David Forst also. Uh, we're going to have uh, the manager of the Giants. Gabe Kapler is going to be here. We got a nice little scouting report on Gabe Kapler from some Phillies people. Guys that are very dialed in with the Phillies. Maybe, just maybe, uh, this will be a better transition for him with San Francisco versus Philly versus the expectations that were going on in Philadelphia compared to what is going on now. So we're going to have a lot of different people stopping by throughout the next couple of days, and uh, we're going to be checking. Coming up next, though, go ahead. Mark Gonzalez is going to be joining us from the Chicago Tribune as we're expecting the Chicago Cubs to be made, you know, the, the Cubs after winning the World Series in 2016, 
they haven't been able to deliver. And there's just this belief that Theo, es- Theo Epstein wants to really shake things up. He's got a lot of quality players. I don't know why he would do that. But that looks like what they're going to do. And if that's going to be the case, I mean, Chris Bryant, I mean, who wouldn't want Chris Bryant? I know there's been some injuries, but if you can get Chris Bryant, whether he's going to be a free agent or not, this is a guy, I mean, if you're looking for a third baseman and a power-hitting third baseman, why wouldn't you want to be all over this guy? So is Rizzo going to go? Who's going to be moving? Who's not? What's Theo going to do? We're going to find out next. We're getting you ready. We're getting you ready for the winter meetings, baby. This is the best. Every, I'm telling you, if you're a baseball fan, like where we are, you have to have a pass. But down the lobby, down in the bar, you don't. And they're all down there. And the buzz, let me tell you, the Strasburg thing, the buzz started. Oh, he signed for 220. Oh, he signed for 220. Oh, my God, it's 245. There is an absolute buzz at this hotel. And don't forget the gas lamp tonight. Going to be rocking tonight, tomorrow night, and the night after that. So you better be ready, Commander Cody. But coming up next, Mark Gonzalez from the Chicago Tribune. What is he hearing from the Cubs? Who are they going to be moving? We're all going to find out next right here on A's Cast Live from the Winter Meetings. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, it's great to have an old friend on the program, a Bay Area guy now covering the Chicago Cubs. Mark Gonzalez joins us here on A's Cast Live to lead us off. Gonzo, how are you? I'm doing well. It's California. The sun's out, but we're inside, but worst places you could be. Yeah, I got to tell you, this is our first winter meetings, and it kind of reminds me of the Final Four a little bit, how everybody gathers in the lobby and people are looking for jobs and people are looking for information. And uh, it just seems to grow every single year. I guess after this, we're going to be going to Vegas. And once it goes to Vegas, I mean, oh, my God, it'll be incredible. But uh, have you always enjoyed this time at the winter meetings? Yes and no. I used to enjoy it a lot because you see people you might see once during the summer. You don't have a chance to talk at length to them. And then here you see them and you're able to talk at length to them or maybe catch up on them, see where they're working now, or uh, maybe they see something in a player that you didn't see during the season that might be a player your team's acquiring or might have some interest down the road. So um, it's a pretty good fact-gathering fact event, but sometimes it does get tedious, especially when it gets around a Wednesday night and the Rule 5 draft and everybody's sprinting yeah. out the door to go home. <laughs> I know that's so funny, but the Rule 5 draft will be a little interesting this year because we're going to have that 26th man on the roster, and if you're one of these bad teams and one of these rebuilding teams, you know, why not take advantage of the Rule 5 draft? Right. It's, it's another element to consider, as well as the other rule about a reliever must face a minimum of three batters. I, I've noticed that teams, including the Cubs, have uh, taken that into consideration when acquiring players. Yeah, no doubt about it. And let's talk about the Cubs. 84-78 and 78 last year, disappointing, finished third in the Central. We're hearing about shakeup. Is it a major shakeup? I mean, what exactly? You know, you're changing managers. Joe Madden is now down in Anaheim. Like, what kind of shakeup are we looking at with the Cubs? I think if you look at the core that helped this team win a World Series in 2016 and look to what it could be next year, I think it would be a substantial shakeup because – They've fallen short. It was the first time they didn't make the playoffs since 2014. 
a lot of those core guys who helped them win a World Series in 2016, their growth path has stagnated or taken a dip in most cases. Not all of them, but most cases. And their farm system really hasn't churned out a, a large volume of players as they have in the past. They've had to go out and spend to address needs rather than go down to the farm system and, and call up a guy who can give them uh, substantial help for, for a long period. So you combine all those issues and this is what you got, a team that has to move a big piece to address other needs and also trim some salary, make their, their payroll go longer. Do you see a move being made here in San Diego? Possibly. I think right now we're all waiting on Chris Bryant and his grievance uh, in regards to the service time. If he wins his grievance, then he could become a free agent after next year, which really affects his uh, market value in terms of compensation. But if the arbiter rolls in favor of the Cubs, then he's going to be uh, under team control for two years, which really expands the possible compensation package if they do determine to move him. I got to tell you, the other day I was, I was reading this article and that got brought up and I went, I totally forgot about that. Like, how long has this been going on? <laughs> right? He filed his grievance years ago. Well, it, it, it kind of went, went by the wayside after the last CBA, but uh, it, it's been percolating for a while. Came up, you know, came up to the forefront after the season ended. And it really has some significant consequences. Now, if you look at past history, you think, well, he, the team should win its case. But here we are. It's been two months since they've presented their cases to the arbitrator, still haven't had a decision. Makes you kind of wonder if he's got a shot at winning this case. If he does, it's going to rattle the windows of this hotel if, if they make a decision here. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And then I, I start thinking about the one team, you know, reading up on a lot of different things, getting ready for these meetings. The one team to me that's just waiting in the weeds is the Los Angeles Dodgers. So much talk about the Yankees and Cole. So much talk about, you know, what's going to happen with the Angels. And Artie Marino likes to write big checks, right? right? But all of a sudden, Andrew Friedman's got them under the luxury tax. He's got money to play with, really, for the first time. You know, he's been trying to win, but he's been trying to get under the tax. He's finally, he's now under that tax. He need, he's been talking about third base. You know, we've, we've heard about Rendon. You know, obviously, there's a lot of people out there looking for Josh Donaldson. Mm-hmm. But then Chris Bryant, Vegas kid, bring him close to Los Angeles. I just I, I see the L.A. Do you see the Dodgers have this, this monster lane in the weeds that people haven't been talking about? They haven't been talking about it, but I still look at the Braves as the team that would be the, the best fit for him just given the fact that you mentioned Josh Donaldson, free agent. If they don't bring him back, what's their next step? I think it's trading for a third baseman because they do have the prospects to give up, still stay in a win mode, and not give up your whole farm system. And, and you address the need, third base. And the Cubs desperately need major league ready or close to major league ready players, specifically pitchers, because John Lester is likely going to become a free agent after next year. Jose Quintana is going to be a free agent after next year. Um, they really don't have guys with swing and miss stuff, uh, you know, the Walker Buehler types that coming up to the system. They don't have that. There's nobody there who you can say is a real dude who's above Class A. Would you invest long-term in Chris Bryant? Um, I think I would, but do you give him a Harper contract? Do you give him a Trout contract? I'm not so sure. And, and the thing that, that pulls me, and I love Chris because he plays hurt, plays well, 
good guy, gets along with his teammates. But scouts have mentioned to me, God, he's so good, but is he? And they pause. I said, is he going to be that guy? And I said, absolutely right. And that's always been the asterisk. Now, in Chris's defense, look at what he's done. College player of the year in the Rich Hill at University of San Diego. Goes to the minors after signing with the Cubs. Becomes minor league player of the year. 2015 National League Rookie of the Year. 2016 National League Most Valuable Player. What left was there for him to do? <laughs> he got his ring in 2016, right? So what is there left? I mean, okay, he got married, and he's going to be a father for the first time yeah. in April. So, But after that, what else? It's is a charmed have? life. Yes, it is. <laughs> and he lives in, in Nevada, you know, tax-free state. So I, if it's not Bryant, because let's say he wins, and all of a sudden people kind of freak out. It's kind of like the Mookie Betts thing going right now. I'm just kind of looking at the roster. Well, then who next would it be if it's not Bryant that you're going to shake the trees? Well, Jose Contreras' name came up, and I kind of, I kind of pause over that big time because he's under team control for three years, terrific hitter. He catches right now, and he's pretty serviceable. Got one of the best throwing arms. John Lester loves the guy, just as it pays attention to detail, helps him hold on runners. Big thing with Lester, as you know. His pitch framing leaves something to be desired. It's big in baseball now. But I just can't see the move. Why, why would you move that big chip unless you desperately need a lot in return and you know you can't move Bryant? Then I've, I've heard Rizzo's name, which yes. I, I mean, really? I mean, these. Yes. I mean. Yes, it's, it's time to shake things up here. I think the team really got too comfortable. The last two years, I thought they should have broke it up after last year. You know, they won 95 games. If they, they got the majority of their wins against weak teams. When it came to head-to-head, -head, they didn't do the job. I thought guys were too content. There was a lack of accountability last year, and I thought some of that was lingering last year. But I think the big thing was after 2017, they didn't have a guy like a John Lackey, a John Jay, who could monitor the young guys and make sure they're being held accountable for their mistakes. You know, the guys would make errors. They wouldn't be in front of the locker after game. And this is not just for the media. It's for their teammates. So their teammates didn't have to explain why their, their guy bobbled the grounder in the ninth inning to lose a game. So what would be the big difference, you think, between Joe Madden and David Ross? Uh, I think big time. You've seen big changes in the Cubs as far as their staff hirings, more data-oriented guys, younger guys. I mean, if you're over 45, good luck getting a job on that coaching staff. <laughs> uh, they've, they've loaded up in the farm system or the player development department on analytic guys or going to the new, the new age. They felt they felt behind quite a bit, way behind the Astros and Dodgers in terms of technology and all that. So they got Justin Stone as their director hitting from elite Baseball, which is down the street from Wrigley Field, is like kind of comparable to drive line. Yeah. And Theo's made it a mission. We need to develop more contact hitters because they're horrifically swing and miss guys, and their breaking ball swing and miss rate's been off the charts. He needs, they need to shore that up, and I think Theo's addressing that throughout all levels of the minors, um, pitching the same way. So it's, it's a major, I don't want to say overhaul, but it's a major infusion of uh, new technology here, and, it, and it's got to click pretty soon. I, they don't want to say it, but I'd say this is like going to be a mini re rebuild. So you've been in this game a long time, and behind me is this patio, and I was out on the patio, and I got to say there's probably around 15 tables, and all day long today there's been interviews. 
all day long, all these different teams. I was out there taking some notes. I was kind of listening to some of these. And, and then I started to realize every guy being interviewed easily is under 35. Some are even, I, I would say, well under 30. It's where this game is going. They want these data-crunching Ivy League kids. I mean, some of these kids look like they're 25 years old. I'm sure they're very bright. They've got these great degrees. But that's really what – I mean, seeing it today, I, these are the, this is the future of the game, and the future's not getting older. It's getting younger. Yeah, it is. It is. It's in all organizations, not just the Cubs, it's, it's going that way. And I kind of say, hey, here's a warning. I mean, look who won the World Series last year. The Nats did. The old-fashioned way, you know, starting pitching, you know, timely hitting. You look at a guy like Howie Kendrick who can move the ball around. Terrific. And when you're evaluating players, the computers can only tell you so much. Computer can't tell you if a guy is having marital problems, staying out late, or he's, he's dealing with an injury and all that. There's a lot of components that we don't know, and that's where I think the value of scouts still reigns. Well, you are the best, my friends. Always great catching up with you. Always great having you back in the Bay Area. And uh, we will be in touch throughout the offseason as uh, Chicago is going to be making a lot of news. Both sides of town. The great Mark Gonzalez right here from the Chicago Tribune, right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. We are live at the winter meetings here in San Diego at the Manchester Hyatt. And a lot of news coming right out of the gate. Steven Strasburg is off the board. Mike Farron, who is the co-host of the Power Alley and also does work for the Arizona Dimebacks. We love having him on the program. Thank you for stopping by. And the big buzz, Steven Strasburg. He turns down $100 million mm-hmm. to get a raise for $145? Hundred $145 extra, yes. Yeah. 7 and 245 which is what the Bob Klapish had yesterday, was going to be the initial uh, opening bid for the Yankees to Garrett Cole. So, um, yeah, it's – I mean, I, listen, I think I, – I estimated 7 and 204 That was the number I went to for Strasburg, so I was a little light. Um, but I think most of us were in that seven-year range, six to seven years, and about – you know what? What is? I haven't done the math on the seven and two forty-five. Right? That's what thirty-five million dollars a year, which is the highest AAV for a pitcher. So, um, I mean, the guy's really good, and he hit free agency at the right time. And there are enough teams that um, desperately needed starting pitching that it pushed Washington to to need to make that move. And and listen, he moved his family to D.C. He's lived there. He's uh, going to be a career national, it looks like. Got a full no-trade clause as part of it. So um, they're going to end up having, you know, he was their best pitcher in the postseason this year. He was better than Scherzer. So they're going to have uh, him and Scherzer and, and Corbin for the next several years anchoring that rotation. Yeah, our boss, Matt Pearl, used to run the, the Nats broadcast. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he's not leaving anywhere. He's so ingrained in there. He's a guy that doesn't like change. Yeah. And even though he's from San Diego and there's rumors that he could go to the Padres and there was all kinds of rumors, but yeah, our boss was like, trust me, I know him. He's not moving. I, anywhere. I mean, the Padres aren't, the Padres weren't going to be involved. The Padres you know, had the two, they had two of the three highest contracts that were given out the last two winters. They gave 144 million Derek Hosmer two years ago. They gave 300 million 
last year to Manny Machado. And those deals to this point haven't worked out particularly well, but they have something like $99 million committed to the top four players on their roster. And there's only so much of the Padres are going to be able to, to tolerate in terms of spending. Um, now, a good chunk of that is the $61 million that's owed to Will Myers for the next three years, which is an ill-advised extension based on the way he's performed and um, the way he's kind of carried himself. So, you know, they need to find a tailor to that to be even involved in the moderate market. My understanding is that they were coming into here looking uh, more for bargains than they were for uh, the top end of the market guys. So I don't think it's, I mean, I think it was much more likely that the Angels or Dodgers could have gotten involved on Strasburg or the, the Rangers even if Strasburg had not gone back to D.C. But I think the safe money all along has been on him returning to Washington. So the reports are arriving today here at the Manchester Hyatt is Brian Cashman. I want you to play Brian Cashman. So you roll up here to uh, the Hyatt and you realize Strasburg's seven years, 245. Mm Mm-hmm. How much did that just change? How much did that just up the end? Well, I mean, I think it upped it for sure. I mean, you're, you're starting to look instead of, you know, seven years, you're probably starting to look at eight years for Garrett Cole. I mean, that's that's where that is. Now, if I'm Brian Cashman, knowing Cashman, there is a limit to which he is going to push to. Um, these aren't the freewheeling days of the, the Yankees. They, they want Garrett Cole, but there's going to be a number that they stop at. And um, I think to their... Uh, the, the concern that I would have from their standpoint is that the Angels may be the team that's just like, forget it, we're just going all out. So um, it's, I think that there's a number. I, we were just debating this in the, in the media workroom. Like what, I'll, I'll ask you because I think you, you get good perspective on this. What throws the market into more chaos when it comes to trades and free agents? Cole signing with the Angels and having the disciplined Yankees start to dip into their their deeper levels of their farm system, which is really good at the lower levels, to be able to trade for starting pitching, or Cole to sign with the Yankees, leaving the Angels holding the bag on either of the top two starters on the market. Because that, to me, is one of the interesting questions, is if, if like, if he goes to the Dodgers, like, that's going to throw oh. both of them into disarray, <laughs> yeah, right? Or yeah. goes to the Rangers, like, all of a sudden it's yeah. like, whoa, what's going to happen? Yeah. But if he goes to one of those spots, what's the what's better for the market? What's better for activity in that sense? I would say him going to the Angels because mm-hmm. now it makes the Yankees desperate. Cashman's already been taking heat. I don't heat. think they're going to be desperate, though. They don't act desperate anymore. Yeah, but he's been taking a lot of heat because he's missed on everybody. He's missed on Verlander. He's missed on Corbin. Mm-hmm. He's missed on so many different people. At some point, this still is New York. Sure. And it still is really one of the last remaining markets where they can hold your feet to the fire. Compared to most places in baseball, yeah. you don't have that. Uh, my whole thing coming into this meetings, and Andrew Friedman has done a terrific job getting them out of the luxury tax hell. And for the first time, he's got money to spend. To me, he's the big dog waiting in the weeds yeah. to where we keep talking about. And, and especially for, for him, you think they want, you know, there's still a little battle there in, in Southern California down here for between the Dodgers mm-hmm. and the Angels. They don't want Cole being They would love to take that splash, take the pressure off Bueller, take the pressure off Kershaw, and now he becomes the guy. I think, I think Rendon probably makes sense for, for L.A. more in that. I just don't see them. I, I think if they're going to sign a starting pitcher, it's much more likely that they end up going back to Hyunjin Ryu for depth or they make a trade or they, they, they do something that's extending a little less I can't see them having their two highest salaried players being pitchers. I just don't think – I think that they're too risk-adverse in that regard. 
But I do think Rendon is a real possibility for all of those reasons that you outlined. And I think that that's, um, that would be a change in what they've done in free agency is going after that. Now, they also are probably going to trade Jock Peterson. Um, there's a good chance that I've heard today that they're trying to shop A.J. Pollock, um, which they need to eat money on, but they've never been afraid to do that. Yeah. Pollock, Pollock screams of the we'll eat the money to take a prospect back, you know, a, a lower-level prospect or something just to, to – get out from under part of the money that we owe him. So there's a couple of different things that are in play with them. But I think Rendon is a guy that, you know, to me it's – I don't think Washington's going to end up being in on Rendon. I think Rendon is going to come down to, um, you know, the Rangers and the Dodgers most likely. Yeah, that's the thing about the Rangers. You're opening up a new ballpark, as we mm-hmm. got to see that when we were in Texas, and you want to make a splash, and that's the splash. I mean, he's a Texan. He's from outside of Houston, but you bring him up to Arlington, I could see that splash. The other guy I think all of a sudden has just started to slowly but surely creep up is the guy from our neck of the woods, Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, where's he going to go? So when you talk about who loses out, if it's the Yankees lose out, or if it's the Angels lose out, how does his leverage increase? You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I think the better thing that's going for Bumgarner is that his price is going to be low enough that it's going to keep more teams in, which will probably drive the price up. Now, maybe one of those teams gets involved and decides that they just need somebody, anything. But if you start stacking them up on the scouting scale, Cole is the top flight starter. He's the ace. He's the, the you know, the roll seven, the plus-plus player. Strasburg is probably viewed more as the plus starter. And I think Bumgarner is viewed more as a league average or slightly above starter who happens to have, at least so far, the ability to turn into another monster when you get to the <laughs> postseason. But you look at his regular season career, and it's just been okay. I mean, it's uh, he's been good. It's not like he's been a bad. He's still probably an above-average starter. But I think that that I don't know how much that pushes it unless one of those teams were to get desperate. And I think it's much more likely that the Angels would be desperate in that than the Yankees would. But I think there can be a number of other teams that are in the mix for, for Bumgarner because I think they view that he's a tough market to play. There was a report today, and I can't remember who had it. I think it was Bob Nightingale that said that they, they thought he was going to get nine figures. I thought five and one ten at the start of free agency. People are all over the board on him. I heard some teams th- that th- thought of him more in the like four and sixty-five range. So that's all a it takes is change. one, right? Yeah. yeah, all it takes is one. I mean, that's that's what forty-five million dollars in difference. So I think that it's all it takes is one. It's going to be who views him in that. But there's already a lot of suitors in there because I think they view him at the top of that second tier or what's left at the top of the second tier. Odorizzi came off the board. Wheeler came off the board. So you've got Bumgarner and then Keuchel, and then you start getting into the, the Tanner Roarks and the guys who are just solid major league starters. Rick Porcello, who I think is a good pillow contract guy, bounce back year. Um, you know, it's what you can expect. But we're starting to see that movement. And then you start factoring in the trade market too. And that's going to end up being – you know that's going to have an impact. Is you know who's going to be available on the trade market? Who are some of the players that could be available? Um, you know, I haven't heard Johnny Cueto's name yet, but he pitched healthy at the end of the year. You, know, you would think that he would be a guy that people had interest in. Robbie Ray almost certainly will be in uh, in trade discussions from the Diamondbacks. I mean, there's a number of guys that kind of fit that. Chris Archer, I think it's possible from Pittsburgh too, even though he's coming off a really down year. I got to tell you, you know, this is this was our first season of Ace Cast as mm-hmm. we launched this. And it's just been so much fun to create something that's never been done in Major League Baseball. And then we're like, we got to go to the winter meetings. But I was a little worried. 
Sure. You know, it's one of those things that when, you, when you're launching something like this and if we come to the winter meetings and we're sitting here talking about, well, they're going to sign in February. Right. The fact that we had movement before, the fact that we have movement today, and there's talk about how Scott Boris is saying, hey, I want your offers on Garrett Cole. This has been exciting so far coming to San Diego. And we got a lot. It's back to being the winter meetings it's again. It's the best winter meetings we've had since the last time it was in San Diego, which maybe <laughs> should be we have it here every year because this is the best setup for it, too. I mean, we can actually go outside. Like, it's, yeah. it's nice. People get off site. It's terrific. San Diego's awesome. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think the last two years we were very concerned. But I think what's happening, I was talking to a, to a front office executive about this today. And just kind of, we were going through, and he and I have had a lot of conversations over the last two years about, you know, what's going on in the market and what's happened with it. And he, he seems to think that the biggest reason why it's moving is because you have teams that were sitting it out like the White Sox and the, the Phillies to, to a lesser degree over the last two years they've been spending. Um, you know, the Padres, those teams that have come out of the rebuilds or are in a position where they need to add talent now. And I think part of it is that those teams are having their feet held to the fire because there's, I mean, there there could be, this is a really pivotal year for a no, number of organizations. As many changes as we saw a manager this winter, we could see between seven and ten front offices turn over next. And Pittsburgh kind of got the jump on it. We thought they were going to be one of them. But there's, you know, just in the the A's division, I mean, Look at the Angels. Billy Epler had his option picked up. He's, I mean, that's that's usually a sign that's like you better win now or it's going to be over. You know, uh, I think John Daniels, the seat is a little bit hotter than it has been in the past for him in Texas. They need to move things in a more positive direction as they move into the ballpark. And certainly he's addressed the rotation to this point, but that's something that they, you know, that I don't know that he would be at the top of that list to be, um, you know, on the hot seat. But I do think that there's more, there's more concern there. I think there's concern in Seattle over the long-term health of that franchise. I, and there's clearly concern in Houston right now based on the fact that they're being investigated by Major League Baseball and nobody's quite sure what that investigation is going to end up entailing. So there, there's a there that's just in the west, right? That's the A's of the stable team in there yeah. right now. So uh, there's a number of teams across the the country that have to start turning things over and start winning. Toronto's another one. You know, Toronto's got you know two Toronto's highest paid player is this year. Toronto's highest paid player I have no clue. Randall Grichik. Really? At $11 million. Yeah. I $10 love, million. Dollars. I love the baby Jays. I, I mean, listen, they've got a lot of <laughs> – yeah. but they have all this money to spend. Yeah. I mean, what's incredible is they have all this money to spend in a market that's been robust with starting pitching, and they finish second and third on everybody to this point. I mean, they're, they're, that's, a, that's a huge financial power that should have the money to spend to be able to move. So that's another team that has some pressure on them. They haven't gotten contract extensions there yet either. So there's there's a lot that I think that is helping to motivate this in a, a more a more traditional direction, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are teams that were non-competitive before that are looking to compete now. I'm so glad you're saying that, and it actually excites me that you say that because you only get so many managers, you yeah. only get so many whiffs, you know, you can have the smartest data. You can have the smartest kids crunching all this kind of stuff for you. You can have all that. But at some point, you got to win. 
And that's what I like about what you're talking about is like, okay, now we got to now, now we get, stop talking about the future and it's about now because there's yeah. there's too many teams. It's not healthy for a sport to have so many different teams talking about the future, and not talking about. I, now. I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, I, I was talking about this with with a reporter today, too, in that. You know, we saw the teams that have followed the Astros-Cubs model in trying to rebuild. What we haven't seen yet, and we will see it in this group, is one of these teams, at least one of them, probably multiple, aren't going to come out of it. You know, they're going to end up in a spiral that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's a problem. That's the, the – these teams – it's like betting on the stock market, right? These teams – went into this direction because they didn't see a downside in it because nobody had had the downside. When you hit the downside, it's going to become far more problematic. And I do think that there are spots where you just have more competitive people that are in charge. I think Oakland's one of those great examples. And they didn't, even though they had a couple of down years, they didn't tear it all the way down to the bottom. They were fortunate they had some good drafts and added some people. They've always been really good on the pro scouting side and adding six years, six year minor league free agents that have helped. And they were able to stay competitive. You know, I think the Diamondbacks have done a pretty good job of staying competitive. I think one of those teams that, that had a chance to be a serial abuser in that respect is Pittsburgh, but hiring Ben Charrington brings an awful lot of credibility and integrity, and that's going to turn. They're not going to punt a season. So you're starting to see some of these teams value that and value the idea that, wait a second, this is, if not for any other reason, and I don't think that they're, so I don't think any of us are all that altruistic, but that, listen, our job is to compete, and we have to compete for a chance. All right, let's end on this. Dodgers have won it seven years in a row. It's a <laughs> record. It's unbelievable. Everyone that it's, it's starting to be Braves like, yeah. right? Because the way they're they're lining up. If you had to bet on one team to 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 take them down in the West next year, who are you taking? Um, that's a good question. I mean, that's, there's going to be a fair amount of what seems like bias in the answer, but I think that the Diamondbacks are the ones that are the best position to do it. Um, they finished second in the la- two of the last three years. They actually led the division going into September in 2018 before having a real, uh, real rough final month of the season. Um, you know, I think they have um, financial flexibility after the Grinky trade to be active, and I think they are going to be active. They are. Mike, Mike Hazen was just on MLB Network Radio this afternoon, and Ryan Spielborgs asked him are you willing to trade prospects to add impact now? And you think about this as a team that's rebuilt their organization, right? He said, my goal is to win at the major league level. It's not to be ranked the number one farm system. So this is a team that's looking for impact at a corner corner spot specifically or at second base, somebody who's an impact offensive player, and they are looking to do that. I think they're going to be very active. I think they're going to be a good team. The problem is that the Dodgers are bigger, faster, stronger, deeper, than everybody in the National League. And that's the issue. Is you, the, It's still, you have to be mindful if you're in the position of the Diamondbacks, is okay, you, you can push some of the chips in to try and get better so that you're competing, but your goal is to run down the Dodgers and getting rid of too much talent in the long run probably takes away your best chance of running it down because they're going to be the favorites this year and next year and the year after that. So... They've been good at threading the needle so far. I'm very interested to see where they go. I think the Padres have a high-risk, high-reward roster. I think there's a lot of talent on that roster, but I think it's a lot of talent that can go south. I mean, you guys saw Profar. Like, what are they going to get? Are they going to get first half or second half Profar? If they get second half Profar, that's a dude. 
if they're going to get first half pro far, it's going to be rough. I love Tommy Pham. I think Tommy Pham's going to bring it. He's going to be a difference maker for them, both in terms of what he does to get on base and in terms of holding guys accountable in that clubhouse. It was a bad look for the Padres down the stretch last year. But I think that there's just so much risk in the moves that they've made that you just don't have much certainty. And they also lack certainty in the rotation. So I think there's a couple of things that, that – certainly factor into this, but I think the Diamondbacks are the ones that are the best positioned to, if not run down the Dodgers, at least be in play for a wild card berth for next year. I could talk to you all day. Well, I mean, I don't have anything else going on. (laughs) Well, I told you, I don't know where you're going to be tonight. I don't know where you're going to be tomorrow night. We got your number. I said I'm going to buy you a beer. Because I always appreciate, I will drink it. I always appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for stopping it's by. It's great to see you in person, man. This it's really it. nice to see you. So I know everybody jealous. Everybody else gets to see you on the field during the season, and I had to do phone interviews. So it's nice to see. Yeah, you. Yeah, when are we gonna get the D backs up in town? We were just there the year before you started AceCast. That's right, Paul so Goldschmidt. It's gonna be a while. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a while. Daniel Mengden threw a complete game two hit shutout at us, but I'm not. I yeah, haven't seen a whole lot of that lately. Frankie Montas <laughs> shoved it that that weekend too. Yeah, we're gonna need Frankie to make a little comeback here, a, a, a healthy and legit comeback. Yeah, Frankie Montas and Jesus. That's one Lizardo thing. The A's, are, the A's are the A's. The A's are gonna be a sneaky team when we start talking about World Series. Hey, I'm with you. I like. First of all, I think Jesus Lazardo is the the truth. Like, I love that guy. If he can stay healthy. Like he's got a, ch- I mean he's got stuff pl- and pitchability. Like he's he checks all the boxes, but man, Chapman, Olson, Simeon. Like when your best player doesn't even have the best season for you a year ago and you win ninety six games, it's usually a pretty good sign. I know Simeon. Like nothing against Marcus Simeon, who I think is a great player, like really really good. But Matt Chapman's the best player on that team. Chapman and Olson to me are like that. They those guys are monsters. Piscotty's healthy. I talked to him earlier today. Like they're they're. I think the A's are going to be really, really good again. And and now you asked about the Dodgers and somebody running them down. I think the A's have a chance to run down Houston. Houston has some serious holes in their rotation. They are already at the luxury tax threshold in terms of spending. And almost all of their money, $104 million, are tied up in four players because Altuve gets a big raise starting this year. So are you hearing anything trade, about Nothing yet. No, I mean, there hasn't been anything – um, you know, there's a lot of speculation. MLB is investigating. I know they've been interviewing a lot of former employees, especially for the Astros. I know, you know they've been asking a lot about what happened there, where, what was going on, who knew what. But I haven't heard anything as to what MLB is going to end up deciding to do. I just don't. I don't think that 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 new that they're close to that yet. But I mean, there, there's if it, if they are found to have violated the rules, if there's and certainly, I mean, it looks like publicly we can see this evidence and feel like that there's a good chance of that. But it's still alleged until they're able to prove it. If they do, um, I'm going to be really curious to see what the penalty looks like because I think from our standpoint, as people who are who are living baseball, just taking away draft picks and money and all of that is a pretty significant loss for an organization that's lifeblood is supposed to be that, and that's what theirs is supposed to be. But I think that there also will probably be some sort of public shaming that goes with it as well because I think most casual fans wouldn't view that as being a significant enough penalty. So you got to take a stance if you're baseball. I think you do. You yeah. thought you laid down the law against the Red Sox, and these guys allegedly kept doing this. While it, I mean, it was going on allegedly while – when the ruling came down for the Red Sox, you're right. I think that they have to – that they probably have to take a stance. And I'm, I'm curious to see – 
what happens with players, coaches, managers, front office personnel. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. My guess is that it's not going to be the penalty. It's almost never as significant as what we think the penalty should be, right? It's almost never that because it's not the idea that the penalty is a deterrent. Somebody else is going to do it. They're but just the going to think they don't get caught. The NFL came down on the Patriots. Yeah. Did you hear about what happened? What we're talking about now? They're probably maybe the Patriots allegedly maybe did I, it again. Listen, I think. Oh, are the Patriots doing it they're, again? They're investigating him again about See, this thing with the Bengals. Clearly, it was a deterrent. Hey, they 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 find Bill Belichick five hundred grand. Yeah. And if he's still doing it. Yeah, but five hundred grand is like. That's townie money. <laughs> That's tip money in the gas lamp. <laughs> Get out the credit card, Grandma, because we're having a good but, time tonight. But they're vulnerable. I think they're more vulnerable than they True. have been in any of the last three seasons. I mean, this is this is a year for the A's to be able to make a run at them, I think. You are the man. No, 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 you are. It's great and to see you. Happy holidays. And I'm uh, I'm buying tonight. All right. We'll I'll track you down. Come, just come to the set. I'll be done at 7. In the bar at 701. You, you done at 7? Oh, Perfect. Yeah, done at 7. I got you right here on A's <laughs> Cast Live. Are the A's a dark horse team to win it all in 2020? Tim Kirchin thinks so. Yeah, I'm not sure even dark horse is necessary now. They are loaded with young pitching. And so few teams have that. And just the thought of Luzardo for a full season, Huck for a full season, Manaya complete health, just those three guys alone turn this team into more than a dark horse. Now, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Astros. I have to see what the Astros look like on opening day of spring training. But, you know, the A's have had two great years in a row. And all things considered, they should have an even better year this year. So... I'm really interested to see how that young pitching and what they do with that rotation and all those power arms in the bullpen. That is a really impressive team. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcasts. If you love chicken pies and a dynamic menu, then you're going to love the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek. You have to try their world-famous chicken pie dinner, which has been served in Southern California for 80 years. That's the chicken pie shop right off Main Street in downtown Walnut Creek, located at 1251 Arroyo Way. Parking's easy, perfect for events, daily drink and food specials, and best of all, great food. Check out their menu at chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com, right off Main Street, Walnut Creek. David Schoenfeld of ESPN knows the American League is changing and has high hopes for the athletics. Yeah, this is why the A's might be my World Series pick next year. What? I love it. Well, it's early. It's early. I'm tired of picking the Astros every year. The way Sean Manaya looked, those last five starts or whatever he made, he was phenomenal up until the wild card game. You factor in, you know, certainly potential contributions from, from Puck and Lazardo, and those guys certainly have potential even as rookies, I think, to, to be very good rotation members. It really, and you go through the lineup, other than Semyon, it's not like anybody had like a career year where you're going to say this guy's going to regress. So I'll be curious to see how they supplement the roster. I'd like to see another outfielder maybe. Um, if they get a bounce back year from Chris Davis, obviously that'd be huge. But yeah, maybe it's time. It's time for somebody else to win the AL West. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcasts. Liam Hendricks was on A's Cast Live, and 
he explained why he wants to earn the closer role again in 2020. I, I don't want to go into spring training as like being a shoe-in to be a closer. I want to be able to win that spot again because that's the only way that I know how to go out there and, and put my best foot forward. So if I go out there and start being complacent about anything like that, that's usually when I get into trouble. So I need to go out there and be like, no, 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 I'm winning this position. I'm the best man for the job on this team. I'm going to go out there and prove to everybody why. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcast. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Amelia Schimmel's here. It's all. Are you going to sit down? After you eat your sandwich? She is the queen of uh, the winter meetings. What do we got coming up? I'm so excited. I, I mean. Well, you say she's the queen, but she's here with a, without a credential, so technically she's. Here, you can have mine. In. You don't even need a credential. This whole thing about having a credential here is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many people walking around here without a. What, what do you know? The real question is, what do you need a credential for? Because no, I'm looking around, looking at people that don't have credentials on right now. I think you need. There's a, Jaffe right there. I you got Jaffe right there. Oh yeah, I was wondering. I was trying to figure out who it was over there. Get him to stop by. Um, I was. I think you needed to go sit down and listen to the manager speak. I mean, it's on the back of our credential the time they speak. That's the only thing you need a credential for is to go hear the manager. Yeah, look, if I want to go here, who's speaking it right now? Well, the first guy to speak is David Bell, the manager of the Reds. Oh, why'd you get thrown out eight million times? That's his, and that's, then it's Joe he's Girardi. He's an aggressive manager. Okay. Really? Is this going to be the third time a charm? Oh, wow. Hey, he won manager of the year once. No, Marlins. he's a world champion. He's he, a world champion. He won manager of the year with Marlins. And then hey, they Mike Farron's great. He really is great. You're talking about one of the good hosts, not only what he does, Sirius XM, but also – for He's the you. Diamondbacks. He's you with the Diamondbacks. Well, and that's the thing. It's like I, I hope you A's fans understand, like here during the commercial break, the reason why all these people support us is that they understand what we're doing is historic. This is the true future of the way we're going to cover Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, hockey, is you're going to control your own message by having your own station. I mean, that's a, it's a streaming station. Brian Kenny, MLB Network, is going to be joining us in moments. But this really is the future. And so I can't tell you how many times where a team comes into town, and it can be anybody. It can be the Red Sox. It can be the Cardinals. I'm just thinking teams, you know, the Padres have called you, the Seattle Mariners. Everybody keeps calling us. And as Mike, who works for the Diamondbacks, he's like going, this, this is what we need to do in Arizona. This is what we need to do. So that's kind of the, really the, the the cool thing about being here early is having people tell us that they're watching what we're doing around the country, around Major League Baseball. People are watching about the, they're watching the growth. Uh, you know, there's recently a rights holders meeting where our boss Matt Pearl went and got to talk to a lot of the people about this, and it's it's one of the reasons you and I came over and we left our old post was that we want to be a part of something really, really special. And and, and that's and, and, and it's kinda it's kinda gratifying, I guess the best way to say it is when you got people who are very successful in the game of baseball who, you know, you're finally getting to meet them face to face and to have them say, Yeah, I just love what you guys are doing. I mean, we've heard it, like you mentioned. Uh, I talked to the, I had an extensive talk with the Mariners not that long ago, probably like a month month or two ago about it. 
and then, you know, other teams reach out. The Sharks are interested in doing what we're doing. Like, teams are starting to realize that this is the future, and that's why we, we, did the, we jumped ship and did this endeavor because we knew that this is something historic. We wanted to be part of something that's going to be for the future, and, and that's what's going. I do have some news for you. We have some updated news. According to John Heyman, Yankees. Well, am I one or two? You're two. All right. Yankees offer to call is expected to be delivered today. Oh, but dude, this is see, this is so great. The fact that our first time coming to the winter meetings, right out of the gate, Strasburg signs the biggest deal ever at seven years, two hundred forty-five million. Average value at $35 million a year, the biggest ever. And then now Cole's going to get the offer today because that would have been – it would have been weak sauce if we would have shown up here for three days doing A's Cast Live. Nobody signs. We're talking about, oh, it's probably not going to happen until January or it may not happen until February. The fact that the first year we show up, that it's, it's, it's all coming down. Well, well it's crazy because, like, coming into Friday, through Friday, before Strasburg signed today, obviously – They've already spent teams already spent four hundred seventy five million on free agents compared to only two hundred eighty six million at this point last year. So, are we seeing the return of the winter meetings? Yes, I think think they're back. Yeah, but you know what? In my hand, and to prove it all, in my hand, I have a whole way to change the winter meetings to combine it with winter meetings meets NFL off season meets NBA. I have a way to pull them all together to make this event, which if this list is as good as I think it is, and if you buy into it, we might need to extend it days. Which if you're going to tell me we're going to be in San Diego or Las Vegas for more than a couple of days, I think we're, we're all in. But I think we got a way to make this better than anything you got in the NFL. Now, it's going to be very tough because of how popular the NFL is, but to make it, if you talk about just competing with the idea of how to make a certain event in your off season great, I think I have a way we can make that happen by combining a little bits and pieces from uh, from the different sports, adding them all in. Because you know, a lot of people do things at different times. We're going to add it all together for basically one week or four to five days. We saw the great Mickey Morbido, our traveling secretary, go into a uh, meeting room just across from us. I hope he was the guest, the uh, keynote speaker for that, because Mickey's been around longer than anyone when it comes to traveling. Oh, there's no one in that room that's been there as long as Mickey Morbido. And uh, we we need to get him on the program for Green and Gold History. He's friend of the program who's never been on the program. Yeah, he's he's like one of the only people that has that distinction. Like, if you don't know, I basically watch every home game with Mickey Morbido. I'm in there sometimes. Yeah. Friend of the program yeah. just has never been on. Yeah, he just shares his insights off the record. With so us. you're saying that the offer for Cole from the Yankees could come today. Could come today. And that's what they're waiting. Yeah, the Yes Network is literally. We have the Yankees. The Yes Network hot stove stage is literally two two over from us as they're chomping on the bit, probably ready to go as soon as they know anything. As Brian Cashman rolled into today, you know. You know, the, the big question is, how much does seven years, 245? Now we're hearing, once again, it's hard to, it's hard to know exactly. We're hearing 80 million of it is being deferred. Yes, that's what I believe Bob Nightingale tweeted earlier. So the, out of the 245, 
$80 million is being deferred. Now, obviously, that means the money is not exactly what you think it's going to be because so much is going to be deferred, and people bring that up. And I just start saying to myself, it's $245 million deferred. <laughs> they're going to be paying you. I mean, they're going to be paying Steven Strasburg. I don't know how long it's deferred. You know, we got the Bobby Bonilla deal out there, but he's going to be receiving fat checks for the rest of his life. Uh, he's not going to – his kids, his kids' kids – I mean, to think about gambling on yourself where you're basically guaranteed $100 million, you say no to that, and then you get a pay raise of 145 to make your ground total $245 million. What a sport. What an unbelievable sport that uh, we have here. Steven Strasburg making 245 And I wonder, that number, how much does that change the number for Cashman? Because you know what? You're dealing with the same agent. Scott Boris is the same agent for Steven Strasburg as he is for Garrett Cole. So, obviously, he's going to know what Strasburg got. But, obviously, Strasburg is a different animal because Strasburg is a guy that was very obvious, wanted to stay in that, wants to be there his entire career, has the leverage to make that happen. Maybe had, you know, the rumors of the meetings and everything out there. But the reality is he wanted to stay a Washington National. He got the deal. And, and like any agent, every client you have is different. And so this is a different client. Garrett Cole looks to be the guy that wants to cash out on the biggest possible deal that he can get. I'm, th- I'm thinking, was it Mike Farron told us, eight, he's thinking eight years, 300 million. So that's around 37 and a half million. Eight per years, year. 300? Yeah, that's eight, 37 and a half per year. Eight years, 300 million. That is unbelievable. Well, he's going to be joining us coming up here. As you've heard me talk about for many, many years, he's one of my favorites from his time at ESPN, all those years at ESPN, doing baseball, also all his great work on boxing. But we like to talk about it all the time, how his show, for us baseball people, it's second to none. And ever since, you know, 10 years ago, MLB Network came on board, we finally had a channel that talked about the sport that we love 24-7. And he says the show is for the thinking fan, the host of MLB Now, and, of course, all the great things that he does on MLB Network. Brian Kenny joins us here on A's Cast Live. It's finally great to meet you in person. Good, in the flesh, baby, yes. as they say in Rocky Three. Good to see you, man. Yeah, no, it's it's great to be here in San Diego. I mean, I actually grew up here in San Diego, so it's a lot of fun that we're coming back home and bringing A's Cast Live here. And it's been so cool that – We've had so many people in baseball talk to us because people are following what we're doing with A's cast. Is it something mm-hmm. so new and so dramatic and really is really the future in so many ways where a franchise controls its own product mm-hmm. 24-7, 365. So whenever someone like you comes on, it means a lot to us. Excellent. Well, it's good to be a part of it again since um, I think A's fans are used to thinking creatively because of their fandom of the A's, right? I think they've long been at the vanguard of the revolution. So you have a a fan base that appreciates the excellence that they've been able to put forth at a lower budget and struggling through the years in a lot of ways, but excelling in so many ways and and doing it through creativity, imagination, intellect. That's what I think makes the A's so fascinating. I used to be doing post-game 
and I would watch them break down the field and then have to re- recreate the field in 2002 because at that time we were Comcast Sportsnet, but during the Moneyball filming, we had to go back to Fox Sports. You know, so, oh, really? Oh, yeah, so, oh, I wow. had, so all of a sudden the Delver Rays are back, the Montreal Expos are back. <laughs> they really right. had to recreate the exact same stadium. Oh, wow. And so I think that's the thing. You know, once the book came out and then the movie – the pride for A's fans of as being the vanguard, as you said, of, of, you know, this little engine that could, what Billy Bean and David Force have meant to this fan base for so many years is, you know, now that we see this change, you know, out here we've seen these meetings today. I can tell you, Brian, we're watching these meetings, and, and, and all these kids are anywhere 25 to 35 are getting interviewed by teams. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of this started with the A's. Oh, no question. Um, where And that was one of the points that uh, Billy had made to me when I was writing my book and I interviewed him where he said, hey, it's more of a meritocracy now. He said someone like Farhan Zaidi years ago, there's no chance for, that he would be able to work for a major league club. Now, uh, Major League Baseball is able to bring uh, massive brain power to the equation. Look at these kids now that you get to see here. I just ran into, that's why I was late, ran into three or four of them on yeah. my way over. And, you know, they've, they watch the MLB Network and they've read the book and they're up to date on things. And um, the level of, I'll put it this way, the level of kid, right, the level of, um, kid who is because there are kids here like from high schools, but there are also uh, a lot of kids here from colleges and just out of college. The level of education for the prospective employee for Major League Baseball has risen quite a bit over the last decade. And that's what you want. You want a better applicant pool. And that's what you have now in baseball. The whole industry. I mean, just look at it now uh, with teams making rational decisions. And that doesn't just mean being cheap. It means being smart or uh, betting on the right player or seeing what's there. And sometimes that involves numbers and sometimes it does not. But at least you're looking at things logically and that's being examined. And I think that's what really captures our imagination as fans is that there is so much going on in putting together a baseball roster. And how much fun are we having? Because the last couple of years has been rough. Watching you guys, and we're thinking, okay, when are these guys going to sign? And next, then it's January, then it's February. We got Strasburg signing today. Supposedly Cashman's going to be making the offer today mm-hmm. to Garrett Cole and Scott Boris. The winter meetings are back. Yeah, it's like 1970s baseball, right? It was like <laughs> buy, spend, sell, you know, get on it. Um, I, I, I found the winter shutdown fascinating in its own right. You know, not, not that I, I don't come here and say, where are all the signings? Well, sometimes, you know, you just have to, you know, Talk about what you're going to talk about, whether they're signings or not. And in the, it's not 1955. They don't have to be in the same room to make deals. You know, they can contact each other. Uh, but, yeah, it is more fascinating now that teams uh, are being a little more aggressive. And that's been like a theme of our show for the past few years. I remember a few years ago when the Cardinals jumped out and they, they signed Johnny Peralta to a deal. I think it was four years, $52 million. So it didn't break the bank, but it was a significant deal. They got Peralta, and I think they got some relief pitchers too. And I often wondered why teams didn't do it that way. Um, because, look, it's, it is a lot about value and trying to you know, save money here and there so you can put together the best pop- possible roster. But it's also about finding the right players that you really want. So this year, the way Alex Anthopoulos has gotten after it, I, I'm a big fan of that. Identify the players you want and get after them. Spend for and push real money across the table and say, hey, look, this is the this is our offer. It's not going to be here for the entire winter. This is it now. But it's fair. It's market value. Do you want it? And like Will Smith said, yes, I'll take it. Right. Mm -hmm. He takes it and they get the like top reliever on the market. 
I think more teams should do that. Don't be afraid. Don't don't be looking to save. And I know it sounds like a lot of money, but in terms of uh, a payroll of a major league team, which is anywhere from seventy-five to two hundred million, um, don't be afraid to like you know. Oh, I didn't save five hundred grand on this guy. No, don't get the guy. If that's the guy you want, go get him. Get, have dinner at his house. Go out with his wife, and you know, get 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 everybody on board and say you're the guy we want. That's how I would approach it. You know, if there's three or four guys you really want. Get after them and and get after them early. Why wait? I'd be doing it day one, right after the World Series. I'd be if this if that's the relief pitcher you want, if that's the second baseman you want, go see him right away. Get the get the agent there in front of you and push your deal right to the forefront. Wine and dine, baby. Why not? No, they rip, and you also have to put the money out there and be fair. Say hey, come as they say in this business too. Come correct. Come correct. Don't don't be trying to haggle with us. Come with a real deal. And you saw with the Braves, they were able to make deals right away. Also, like Yasmani Grandal, you got to come real and get him right away. You know, they came real and they got the guy, like a guy that is difficult to approximate in the rest of the marketplace. Is that the problem with Mookie Betts in Boston right now? Because they didn't come correct right out of the gate. Probably, although, you know, I don't know the inner workings of that deal, but you also have to come early and come correct. Like, when you have a player like that who establishes himself, and there's been players like that too, like, you have to identify, if I was a general manager, I would identify the players that we've drafted and developed and then get an extension out to them early. Because the later you wait, the, the less likely you're going to be able to sign them. And now, of course, you've got to, you know, it's impossible to sign Mookie Betts, right? But, you know, Betts is, uh, he's distinctive he's still young and he fields and he runs at the highest level those guys are very rare where a player like that is going to age well so whatever you can pay one player you pay Mookie Betts and that's difficult now for the Red Sox so I would have I would have to actually look at it like hey what year could you have come to Betts Um, the way the Braves did with Acuna right and say oh you think we can't sign Acuna well right now we control him for six years and we're going to roll a hundred million in front of him He's going to say no to that? No, you're not. But that's coming correct. So you and I are developing a little strategy yeah. here. Right. <laughs> I come like at, it. Don't, so come at a guy that you say, hey, this guy would be happy with 50, 75 million. Maybe we can get him. Yeah, what if we came at 100? Now we're ta- now we got him for eight years. Now we own his 20s. Do you want to own you know, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s 20s? Yes, you do. I'd, I'd worry about his 30s. I'd worry about hey, Steven Strasburg's 30s. I'd worry about anybody's 30s. But you draft and develop, and he's your superstar player? Pay that guy. I'm thinking about Garrett Cole. We know Cashman's coming with an offer. Artie Moreno's got a big check. Then I think about the Dodgers waiting in the weeds and Andrew Friedman. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking with Cole? Yeah, his, it's also a perfect storm in where he comes in with the goods, also with the ability to change his game, utilizing the latest technology in baseball operations, right, with the Astros. Yeah. They transform him, transform him from – a guy who was pretty good and seen as, you know, kind of a trendy uh, Cy Young candidate to a solid Cy Young guy for the next five years. And you can see it. And he comes with the stuff, like the velocity, the movement, and the intellect. And he comes off the best possible season. So, again, now Strasburg just made 35 per. Well, Garrett Cole's got to make that. He's got to make that. And it's going to be seven? No, I I won't do it because Strasburg's starting at 31. And Cole, I believe, is age 29. So, yeah, is that a nine-year deal? I would be loath to do that type of deal, uh, but I'm also admitting that Garrett Cole 
is basically your perfect package. You know, the only thing that could be better is if he's 25, yeah. and he's 26. It's the only thing he could be younger. Other than that, it's like everything you could possibly want is right there, including the recency bias, which affects all of us. What you just saw, he was great, and that's a good feeling. I think about up in our neck of the woods, Mass and Baumgartner. I put him through the shredder. That's one thing. Yes. <laughs> and then I look at him in the postseason. Where are you as a free agent with Mass and Baumgartner? Yeah, there is a um, – I'd have to dig deep into, like, that reliability. How much of that is still uh, – how much of that is now – let me change that – is now a myth. How much of that is reality? Because there's no question the guy was able to lower his heart rate in postseason play time and time again. Is that the way it's going to continue? Um, history tells us no. Jack Morris was about the greatest postseason pitcher in history. And then his, look at his last couple of starts, his last couple of outings in the postseason. No good. That's why you look back at his postseason ERA and you say, well, that wasn't that impressive. It's like, hold on, you got to go game by game. Yeah. <laughs> and up until 91 or 92, it's like this guy was the world beater. And the classic ace, right? The cowboy coming in, cool as could be, and vanquishing you. So, uh, yeah, that's Bumgarner. But are you gonna, would you bet that that's the guy going forward? I don't know. You, oh, certainly you would. I would, too, at a yeah. certain price. But at the highest level price, his production, his regular season production has just fell to a point where, um, I don't know, I'd have, does he deserve better than Zach Wheeler? Certainly. But would I pay that? I'd have trouble paying that. Let's end on this because I know you're part of the Hall of Fame and what you do at the inductions, and, and I love when you guys break it all down and you put the shows together. And the, the modern era group, we just found out Ted Simmons is going in, Marvin Miller. and I've had a lot of the guys on the show. We've recently had Dale Murphy, Steve yeah. Garvey. Tommy John was just on with us. Yeah, excellent. And you have so much respect for all of these guys and the 10 that were in there. What would you think about the two that got in? I'm so glad two got in, first of all. I mean, that's the main thing is that the Veterans Committee is there for, especially in that era, right? 19, was it 71 to 87? That is stacked with candidates. Uh, I, was, I was heartened to see Dwight Evans do so well. Uh, like, so already we're having a sabermetric reevaluation of these players. Dwight Evans, I thought, was the best, best candidate on the board, exempting Marvin Miller, who should have been in 25, 30 years ago. Um, it was an embarrassment to the Hall of Fame that Marvin Miller wasn't in. That's now been corrected. It's too late. He's deceased. Um, many people have a problem with that. I understand it completely. But that at least corrects that injustice. You do the best you can. And I'm heartened to see that committee say, geez, Marvin, even with all these excellent players, I, voted, I could vote for Thurman Munson. I could vote for lots of these guys. They all had outstanding careers. These are all you know, very, very good candidates. Ted Simmons was probably the most obvious candidate. So this committee, and I, you rarely get to say this, they got it right. Ted Simmons was objectively the best candidate on that list, even though I prefer Dwight Evans, even though I could make a, a, certainly a case for Lou Whitaker. Simmons, as a catcher, was just so outstanding for such a long time. He hit at such a high level. He deserved to get in, and Miller should have been in years ago while he was alive. So that said, we've had Trammell and Jack Morris get in from a Veterans Committee, uh, Harold Baines and Lee Smith. Now, Baines was the outlier in all of this, but okay, fine. But we're getting two at a time. This is something people have a problem with, and I've been a Hall of Fame aficionado for almost my entire life. I now host the ceremonies. I crunch this as much as anybody studies and crunches this. There's room. That's my point. There's room. We don't have to build a new wing. We don't have to go to Cherry Valley. We don't have to go to another town. They say, oh, well, you're gonna, it's going to be so packed. No, there's room for great players. And Ted Simmons is one of the greatest 10 catchers in the history of baseball. Is there room for every position, the top 10 players in history? Yes, there is. 
Well, you talk about room. So I got 14-year-old twin daughters. So my DVR is like the mass Singer, Dancing with the Stars, and Survivor. <laughs> and they go, what is MLB now? I what? go, well, that's my show. That's what I watch every day. Wait, how old are your twins? 14. And they're not hip to MLB now yet? You know, I, <laughs> I steal from you. They don't. Oh, we need the kids. I want that demographic. Oh, I'll that. get you that demo. <laughs> we'll help you on that. that. Look, I've look fifty-three-year-old men. I've got them. <laughs> I, I need I need some more fourteen, hey. you know, seventeen-year-olds. Let's trust me. Being in sports radio all these years, <laughs> yeah, we 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 got the fifty-year-olds. Well, I've I've found that that actually, uh, and I'm just talking to a bunch of kids who are in college and a gal who was a uh, senior in high school, and I I think actually this does bring that that generation of fans into it it's a generation that is used to looking things up and being able being able to think logically on their own and not having to accept the dogma that has been passed down because they know and they can sniff out nonsense you have kids you know twins they can sniff out nonsense pretty quickly so yeah when you say hey this player this team this guy is good this was a good signing well why do you say that that's the next question and i think that appeals to that generation that you're looking that's all this is sabermetrics analytics looking at things logically asking the right questions, and trying to get the best possible answer. This younger generation likes math. Yeah, they do. No, data is, look, there's a direct, mm-hmm. that generation also can see there is a direct connection between the data and the physical world. And that's what baseball illustrates better than anything because of the repetitiveness of the acts, is that you can see it again and again. And that's everything, whether you're building new roads, building a highway, how many people can fit on a subway, how many on a train, what do you need for infrastructure, that transcends baseball. Your show's my favorite. It's an honor Thank to have you, you on the I'm, program. I'm glad I have you at least. Hey, you got me. <laughs> but I want your kids too. You, Give you, me your children. <laughs> you, you know I'm there for you. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. The great Brian Thank Kenny you. right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. How good was that? Frank Kenny? I mean, you were worried when we first got here, let's be honest. No, I was never worried. I was just, I know in these settings, this setting is different than a Super Bowl setting. Oh. Or well, a Final Four setting. Well, that's because, well, there's there's a, uh, external factors for that. No, no, it's 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 just a reality that... Baseball hasn't figured out how to do something like this at the level of a Super Bowl or a Final Four. And I've done radio role at at the Super Bowl and the Final Four to where there's just – like I remember the one that – so I did – the one one Final Four that I did was in New Orleans when Syracuse won with Carmelo Anthony. And – hey – Hey, behind us is our friend of the program, J.P. Morosi. Yeah, I saw him walk by, but he's with some people. He's supposed to come on with us tomorrow. I, I already talked to him. Yeah, I mean, everywhere you go, you, you see people. But we have, By the way, I've never met John. Have you met John? Of course. I've never met John. Talked to him. For, been talking to him for four. It's like my story about Billy. I've been talking to Billy for years, but I never met him until this year. I haven't met John yet. I've talked to him for four years. So you're in the convention center in New Orleans, and they have this huge room, and there's literally a couple, I, I would say well over, uh, I was going to say a couple hundred. I say, Mickey Morabito. There's Mickey. There he is. Now he's looking at us. Oh, he's coming over. The great Mickey Morabito. What are you doing, Mickey? 
the greatest traveling secretary in the history of Major League Baseball. He's in the meeting, but he's out here with us. He's he's in he's in the meeting. Come over, Mick. Come on. It's okay. <laughs> They'll figure out how to get around. They've only been doing it for 150 years. <laughs> the great Mickey Morbido. He's an absolute legend. Someday will be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Chris. Nice to see you here. I didn't even know you were in town. A lot of people didn't know that uh, we were going to be crashing this party. You've uh, you've crashed it pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Off-season treating you well up in Manhattan Beach? Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time down there. I could work remotely from there. It's nice to work from the beach rather than the rainy Bay Area, so that's been kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you haven't missed anything, let yeah. me tell you. So what is it like when you come to these meetings? Because is, is it like all 30 teams together at the same time? Yeah, like uh, right now in that room right across the hall that I came out of to take a phone call and then you <laughs> grabbed me here uh, is all 30 of the traveling secretaries in there. And we're listening to a presentation from the uh, Canadian consulate in Los Angeles on how we can streamline our visa process to get all guys like you into Canada when we travel. Because it's not easy. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, there's a lot of little complications and things, especially if any players have any issues uh, criminal-wise. You know, we have to get certain permits to get into the country. So, um, and I guess um, I, hate, I don't mean to cut you off here, but I, I really probably need to get back there. Can I just tell one story? One story. One, one story. This is the great, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in sports. I, I've been around it for many, many years. We're in Texas. They have the tornadoes and the crazy winds. The stairs that go up to our plane end up being hit by the wind and end up wrecking the, 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 the wing of the plane. And all of a sudden, we don't have a plane to go from Texas to Tampa. And somehow, some way, like a magician, you found a charter to get a Major League Baseball traveling crew from one city to another. To people still marvel at that. I got to tell you, that to do that in that short a time, is that the most impressive thing you ever seen you do before in your career? Maybe not the most impressive, definitely one of the most stressful. Uh, yes, you were very hours stressed. <laughs> that I've had to deal with that. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, all of a sudden you find that you don't have a plane at three o'clock in the afternoon and you're scheduled to fly right after the game. Uh, luckily, I've been around a while, had a bunch of contacts. Uh, knew some people to call, actually got a plane that was sitting in Oakland. Uh, Kaiser Air has a couple of 737s that sit there, and the big thing for them was trying to round the crew up. Luckily, their crews are all based in the Bay Area, so they were able to round up some flight attendants and a couple of pilots, and it probably was about a three-, four-hour delay to get the crew rounded up and then fly the plane into uh, into Dallas to take us to Tampa. So, uh, yeah, I kind of got lucky on that one, um, but uh, I think probably just being around for a while and having enough contacts and people to call in situations like this where you can round something like that up. So it was stressful, but it was in impressive on my end, I guess. Well, I can tell you I love watching games with you every single homestand. We enjoy, I enjoy I have it. a good time. And then on the road, I enjoy the hotel bar. Hotel bar or after the game, that's what we have to analyze. Uh, someone's got to analyze that game, right? Where are you going to be tonight? Uh, I have a couple of hotel functions. So <laughs> I will, be, uh, uh, I will text you. Liquid diet yes I'll talk yes to you. I'll go back to your later. meeting go right. back to your meeting thanks Tony. the great you. mickey right. morbido right. the legend the man the myth the legend the traveling secretary of the stars the great mickey morbido i mean you think about that he found a plane we're stranded in texas 
we're like literally sitting there going, how are we going to get, how are we going to get to, uh, how are we going to get to Tampa? Our plane's been damaged. Are we going to have to like, you have to take buses? Or, I mean, what, what are we going to do? And he found a plane and came in the middle of the night. We all hang out. At, we wa- we actually walked over to Texas Live and had dinner and a few beers. And next thing you know, we were on a plane to Tampa. It was uh, it was extraordinary. The fact that, I mean, to find a plane that big that can do a traveling party within a couple hours and, like you said, get a crew. I'll tell you this. I'll take you a little behind the curtain. So it was Mickey's birthday in Tampa. So, once again, we're stranded in Texas. He finds the plane, gets us to Tampa. And just to tell you why Bob Melvin is so special and why Bob Melvin is one of the best in the game. Bob Melvin went out and found a cake, got this big cake for Mickey for his birthday, and made sure, because, you know, went, 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 went before a game in a clubhouse, you know, guys are all over the place, right? Guys can be stretching. Guys can be working out, lifting in one place. They can be doing uh, in a cage, hitting in another. Bob Melvin made sure every player got into the clubhouse. And Bob stood up and gave a speech about Mickey. About, I don't know if you guys understand what this man just did for us and what he does for us on an everyday basis. Because when you're dealing with 25 athletes and 25 athletes who all have different wants and needs, wives, girlfriends, these guys are coming to Mickey with, hey, my wife wants to go here for dinner. I mean, he's, he makes everything happen for everybody. Bob stood up and gave a speech that was really touching, talking about Mickey getting the plane and what he does for everybody. And the whole team just roared. And it was something really, really special that – you know, these are the kind of behind-the-scenes things, uh, things that you don't see when you're travel when you're you know when you're traveling with a team. You get to see this kind of stuff, and it's just uh, and everybody was in there. Voos and his staff, uh, all of us guys that work for the A's, we came in to celebrate Mickey because he's truly, truly special. What the heck was I talking about before I saw Mickey? I don't remember. I was going to say, do you think the Chiefs consoled Mickey on how to get their equipment? It's, did you see the story? Their equipment was sent to the wrong airport yesterday. No, 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 no. No, that's not what happened. Fake news. <laughs> Hashtag fake news. Uh, what happened is, is the equipment didn't come off the plane. Not all of it. The equipment stayed on the plane, and then the plane went through, I think, I think they landed in Providence. Does that sound correct? Mm, I, I don't know the full story. I just know that they're... They didn't have their stuff. And so, they had to get so, it, like, so, what, there. so what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs, a couple of their boxes, the boxes that have, I don't know, kind of important helmets and shoulder pads, uh, those boxes didn't get off the plane. Now all the other equipment got off the plane, uniforms and all that kind of cleats and all that kind of stuff. So what happens is, is that the plane then leaves Providence and goes to New Jersey, to Newark. But it still has the equipment on the plane. So the Chiefs getting ready to play the Patriots in a very big game, which they would win in Foxborough, didn't have helmets and shoulder pads. Now, I will say this. This is the biggest joke that I heard yesterday. When people at the Raider game were going, oh, rumors are they're going to they're gonna have to forfeit the game. I went, you think CBS, who spends all that money, is going to allow a huge ratings game like the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs to get canceled? You're out of your mind. Guess what? It didn't get canceled, and it got played. And the Chiefs won. Yeah. 
So and you think CBS would allow that game to be canceled? No. Um, they're not going to send Tony Romo home. I'm sorry. Uh, by the way, Scott Boris and the Nationals are ho- uh, hosting a press conference right now to talk about Strasburg's deal. Are we going to play it? Um, I don't see a live stream anywhere. It's all, but I'll see if I can find it on uh, on Sling. It's probably uh, go to uh, MLB Network on your Sling. Does your Sling still have that? It's on the computer you're using since you forgot yours. Yeah, how about that? I forgot my computer. <laughs> I went to the airport today. I got my backpack, and I'm ready. And, you know, you got to take your computer out of your backpack and put it in its own little. And I opened it up and went, oh, don't have my computer. But you know what? That's one of those where when you're on, I, I'm going to consider this a little mini vacation. Sometimes when you don't have all your technology and not everybody can get a hold of you at all the time might not be a bad thing. So it is 2.36. Uh, Matty V's on his way over. He texted me and said he's going to be a few minutes late. He's on his way okay. over. Okay. All right. Coming up, we're going to have Matt Vaskersian right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Money is being thrown around here in San Diego. And no, it's not my credit card yet. It's big credit cards. I'll say that your credit cards tonight. I mean, I'll buy a drink or two. My winter meetings is tonight. Amelia will be with us. All right, so what do we got going here uh, with the Nats? Mike Rizzo. My, uh, so Bob, Bob Nightingale just tweeted that the Nats, Mike Rizzo said that the Nats are going to pursue the possibility of resigning Anthony Rendon, who the favorites considered right now to, resi- to sign him are the Texas Rangers and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Of I want to get Angeles. Mike Rizzo's official title here because I, I actually have a list of every single manager, every single front office person. You want to go to it? Hey, let's go to the press conference. Here is Mike Rizzo. Along with Our Scott friend, Boris, friend of, the friend of the program. Scott, uh, how do you think this affects the rest of the pitching market now that you know we've had Wheeler gone, Strasburg's gone, you still have Bumgarner out there, you have Rio out there, and of course your guy Cole. I mean, is uh, is, is it is, is it going to be grow higher as we keep moving along? You know, I'll uh, I'm going to have a. A press conference tomorrow at noon. I'll address all those things then. I, I think I want to just confine this to Strauss and the, and the Washington Nationals right now, Barry. Thank you. Uh, Barry, could you hand it back to Brittany? Thank you. Chris, kind of piggybacking off what Jesse said, you talked about the resources that ownership has made available. Uh, given that, with this kind of commitment, are you guys still committed to staying under that luxury tax, or could you see a scenario where? You come close to it, and ownership gives you that go-ahead. Yeah, we haven't we haven't discussed we haven't discussed those parameters yet. Uh, uh, suffice it to say that this is an important deal for us to get done. It's kind of the stepping stone uh, of, of the beginning of, of our of our off season. Uh, you know, we've got how we got Howie under contract, and now we got Strauss under contract. We're kind of checking off uh, all of our needs and all of our wants uh, in in the off season. And uh, I, you know, I, I just 
go back to to the point that uh, you know we're it's all about alloc uh, asset allocation, and I think that uh, the ownership has uh, has been uh, very fair with the, the resources that they've given me to to field a good team, and uh, you know the proof's in the pudding. We've we've put together a good a, a good solid competitive team for the last eight years. Uh, we won uh, four division titles, we won a wild card uh, title, and uh, we won the world title. So uh, we're. Uh, we're in a good position to uh, to continue that, and uh, I think that with the, the support of our ownership, we uh, we're in, we're in good stead. Uh, Clinton, Mike, on that same point, though, I mean, I, to be fair, you do understand that I think from a fan standpoint in this community, Washington baseball-wise, that if a player like Rendon is not brought back, or any player as important to a World Series champion team doesn't come back, that's that takes a hit on the people who were there for the experience to see you guys win at all. Do you, I mean, are you, I guess what I'm saying is, does, is, is there any understanding of how that might affect the people who have supported this team all along if all of the guys who were there to win it all are back next year? Yeah, we're certainly, we're, uh, we're all about winning it all. That's, that's what we're all about. That's what fan base is all about. And I, I think that we're going to, we're going to feel the, 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 the team that gives us the best opportunity to do that. Thank you. Uh, anything else? Stephanie. Scott, what did Steven ask of you during this process? Were there things that, you know, uh, Harper asked for the no trade clause last year? Were there anything in particular that Steven wanted this time around? I think it was, for Steven, it was about family first. You know, he has two beautiful young daughters, and he wanted to make sure that he could situate them most comfortably as his career, um, you know, began really a contract of this length at the, you know, at this time in his career. I think the second part of it was winning he, uh, and his teammates. Um, he spoke throughout the process about his teammates and what it meant to play with them and making sure that I think when you go to do these contracts, in, in fairness to Mark and everyone else, is that you really don't know what can be done inside a contract to create opportunities so that um, aspects of, of the team can be looked at a little differently than was even anticipated. And Stephen had that in mind when he, uh, when he directed me to, to negotiate and, and create a value, a fair market value for him, but also a structure that allowed the, the team to continue at a, at a championship level. So uh, those were the primary aspects of it is, and he certainly wanted to make sure also that the stadium in D.C. was open every day in the off-season so he can go there and work out um, and, uh, um, and do all the things he can do and, and wanted to make sure that he invited the entire Washington community to come watch him while he's doing it. I'm kidding. On the last <laughs> you know what? Here's the deal. He works for you. And that, and that, and that, and as much as I mean, we we get this belief that Scott Boris is this such a powerful. He's, a, you know, in the end, he works for you. You want him to get the best deal, but you're going to get the deal under the terms you want. He works for you. That's why when we talk with like Matt Chapman, and Matt, you know, is like, well, I got to talk to the agent. Got to talk, talk, you know, Matt, he works for you. You tell him what you want. Here's a classic example. Steven Strasburg is D 
different wants and needs of that of Garrett Cole. That's just a reality. Garrett Cole right now seems like, and we don't totally know, but you know all the stuff. You know when you're here at the winter meetings, you're hearing a lot of different things, and it and it's it, and it sounds like Garrett Cole is going after the most possible money he can get. Maybe true or not, I don't know. But that's what it sounds like. To where Strasburg, you know, Strasburg was somebody, you know, all right, I'll meet with the Yankees real quick. I'll, I'll take a meeting. I'll talk, we'll talk with the Dodgers. But the bottom line is, and that helps a little leverage, but the bottom line is, is he wanted to be in Washington. That's who, that's who he is. And Matt Pearl, our boss, who used to run the television for the Nationals, he told us all along he's not going anywhere. He goes, he, he, he loves it there. He's a guy that doesn't like a whole lot of change. And he's going to resign. And what happened? He resigned. He wanted to be there all along. So cases are different when you look at players. You know, like right right now in front of me, I have the, the biggest deals ever signed at the winter meetings. And one of the deals, obviously, was 2000 when Alex Rodriguez signed for 10 years, $252 million. You know, as much as, as, much as Alex, oh, yeah, I want to be in Texas. We're going to make this all about Texas and uh, – A-Rod was looking who's going to give him the biggest bucks. And back then, at the time, Tom Hicks was the owner. And Tom was going to give him the most money. So, I mean, that's just, it's just the way each client is is absolutely different. And that's why we can't look at, at Steven Strasburg as we can with Garrett Cole. Now, is Cole going to want to come back to Southern California? Just maybe. But the agent and Matt Vaskirgen, longtime A's fan, Bay Area guy, who does an unbelievable job with the MLB Network, whether it's the morning show or whether it's the shows in the afternoon or ESPN Sunday Night Baseball <laughs> being the voice of baseball now. It is always an honor to have you on the program. Good to see you, Chris. They'll always, wherever they allow me, I'll, um, I'll, be, I'll be happy. Because it's a trip. It's like you're doing the morning. The next thing you know, you're doing, like, intentional talk. Yeah. And, and then you're, you're hosting, like, during the season, you'll host in the afternoon. So you're kind of all over the board there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and that's okay, right? It prevents boredom from settling in or rigor mortis, either one of the two. It's good. I'm lucky, and um, I love being out there at MLB Network and, you know, covering the game that I love the most. It's, I'm a pretty lucky guy, actually. And the Sunday gig is pretty pretty great Sundays are fun we just got the schedule announced uh today uh, no A's game on there unfortunately at least not that I I mean that would have been the first thing that popped back to back 97 wins we can't get on Sunday night no man it's it's the I don't get the uh, believe me if I was making that decision it would be a series of games in uh, Seattle Oakland and other places in the west but um 
you know, you can only have one a week, and uh, they do a pretty good job trying to maximize the eyeballs in that equation. And it's it, there is some fluidity to it, too, in case somebody reels off a 20-game winning streak or acquires a blockbuster player midseason. It, they, can, they can change those things. We can flex, as we say in the NFL. Flex, that's right. <laughs> flex is the TV term, right. Yeah, you got it. So I was just talking about this because obviously Boris is in a lot of control of what's happening here right. in free agency in the winter meetings. And – it was obvious Strasburg was a guy that did want to leave. Washington has now become home, even though he's mm-hmm. from San Diego. And, you know, he got the deal done. But with Garrett Cole, it's completely different. It's too many times we give Boris maybe a little too much credit is the agent does work for you, mm-hmm. and you have two clients that look like they have different needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, Scott is really good at his job, clearly. He's he is the biggest power broker in the game, much to the chagrin of 30 owners. He's good at this. And there have been many years, and I could probably go back and remember uh, time, date, stamps, and players where he's had a limited number of openings. He's had players express interest in where and for how much, and he's figured out a way to move the pieces on the game board around to maximize everybody's dollar and keep everybody happy. I think it was the year that he ended up putting Derek Lowe in Boston and Maglio Ordonez in Detroit. And Derek Lowe wanted to pitch for the Tigers because he's a Michigander and he wanted to go there. Uh, but Scott knew about where the dollars were, where the needs were, ended up engineering a, a deal for Boris to go, for uh, Lowe to go to Boston. Worked out great for him. He put Maglio Ordonez in Detroit where that money was and worked out great for him. So... There are market permutations that we as fans have no idea about. We don't know about these chess pieces that are being moved around. So when we hear rumors and even when we see completed transactions, sometimes we want to, you know, hold our nose and say, oh, dumb, oh, bad deal. No, I'm pretty sure that whatever happens is the right deal, especially when Boris is engineering it. Let's hope as Ace fans go that it's out of the AL West See a Garrett Cole. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to deal with you four times a year because yeah. he's that good. Uh, I, I can't see it going anywhere other than New York for him. And I know there's a lot of heat around the Angels and very sexy to talk about. Joe Madden and Tony LaRusso is now an advisor, and Billy Epler's really good at his job, and there's a lot of energy there, and they've got Otani and Trout. Um, I, how much more money can one team spend? So $425 million for Mike Trout. They just backed up another truck last week for another 350 ish for the land and the stadium. So are you telling me that they're going to spend a billion dollars in a month and a half or whatever, three months, on two players and a land acquisition? How much more money can they spend there? No, I, I, I'd be shocked, and I've been shocked before, but I'd be shocked if it's the Angels for Garrett Cole. I really would. You know what I'm rooting for? I'm rooting for the Dodgers to come in strong. Just get him out of the American League. That'd be fine. Right? Get him out of the American League. Put him with the Dodgers. You know, they're, they're kind of laying – I've been kind of saying this to everybody. They're the kind of the big boy laying in the weeds right now. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the speculation around the Dodgers has to do with the trade market, and there are people that are drawing lines between, uh, like, a Francisco Lindor trade and then all the, this trove of prospects that the Dodgers have developed over the last few years. And that's really – for me, Chris, that's the separator between what the Dodgers have done to win seven straight Western Division titles and the rest of that division. It, it isn't just that they're writing the biggest checks. They do write big checks. They were able to keep Jansen, keep Kershaw with, with big money. 
but they have drafted and developed better than anybody in that division. A lot of that stuff has been from their own brain, if you will. Uh, I mean, Bellinger, and then the new group of guys like Gavin Lux and Will Smith, the catcher, Jock Peterson, who's been there for a while. Then they found these diamonds in the rough, and unfortunately Max Muncy is one of them who ended up on the A's scrap heap somehow, and the Dodgers turned him into a 35-home run a year star second baseman. They've been smarter than everybody else in addition to being richer. So that's a tough nut to crack. And if Garrett Cole were to go to the Dodgers, get him out of the AL West, get him away from the A's, I'm with you. The Max Muncy thing is mind-blowing to me. I mean, here I am watching him every game, doing pre and post and all of that, and, I, and I'm like, all of a sudden he goes and becomes an all-star? Yeah. It's, it's, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's a pretty humble guy, too. He's, uh, he's not going to say that uh, this happened because he left the A's. I mean, but the, the fact of it is the Dodgers unlocked something that nobody else could unlock, and a lot of times it's just the player and the maturation cycle of his development and whether he happens to be an A or a Dodger or a Hunching Ham fighter at the time, it's when the player gets it. Whoever has him as their property is the winner, and in this case it was the Dodgers. How much does A-Rod talk about that? Because that's really kind of where the game has gone now is we'll take somebody else's player, work with them. The Astros have been so good with that. Mm-hmm. It's like retooling guys, refining guys has become a real school, a real skill in the game yeah. today. Yeah, I mean, Alex talks about that uh, to a degree, but I think a lot of of of, that, of what we're talking about has evolved since Alex has has left the game as a, as an active player. And I mean, the team that does it the best, and the A's are very good at it, it without question. It's the Rays. They take, and I don't want to say other teams scrap heaps because that's not a entirely flattering way to put it, but they'll take players that perhaps didn't reach those levels previously. And with a combination of coaching and putting players in the right position based on their analytic profile, they get better performance out of them. The big right-hander that the A's saw in the wild-card game, Anderson, that they acquired from the, from the Marlins for nothing, that gave them uh, two and a half months of basically shutout relief, Like that's an example of taking a player, maximizing his potential based on the information and the coaching and, and winning with him. And that's, isn't that what coaching and development should be? You give a guy the best opportunity to succeed. Look at Garrett Cole, what he was in Pittsburgh, and then what he became in Houston is now going to get him paid to mm-hmm. where, I mean, if you're Brian Cashman, because supposedly Cashman came in today at some point. Mm. You're Cashman, you come rolling in here to the Manchester Hyatt, and you know Strasburg got seven years, 245. What are you thinking of your Cashman? Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking, Ugh. Somebody make another phone call. Sell some more bonds or whatever it is they're doing to generate finances there. Yeah, I mean, I don't see Cole signing for less than that. Let's put it that way. And, I, you know, I, I don't believe that there was any hometown discounting done by the Nats, even though we all were of the mind that Stephen wanted to stay there. It's going to probably go north of that for Garrett Cole, who is on the open market and who very famously left the clubhouse after Game 7 of the World Series wearing a Boris Corp cap. Not unlike when uh, when Dave Kingman left the A's clubhouse after his three straight years of 30 and 100 wearing a Mariner's cap <laughs> on the last day. I think it was the 86 season. That was <laughs> the stones it takes to walk out of the clubhouse wearing a rival team's logo. Like, see us, suckers. By the way, he didn't end up playing there, but we, we all got the drift. Well, and let's talk about the green and gold because, you know, with this show, we've been talking to a lot of the national guys. Mm-hmm. 
And I can already tell. Because, like, last year, it was like, yeah, 97 wins. Let's see you do it again. But you do it back-to-back years. And pretty much, you know, everything we, we do, the David Force show, pretty much everything's pretty much set. Second base, maybe another left-handed bat, add another arm of the bullpen. But the, the core is pretty much set. And I don't know what uh, the guys are saying at the network, but I know a lot of people around really starting to say, hey, there's going to be a handful of teams that have the possibility to win the World Series. The A's are definitely one of that team. I would agree. I would agree with that. I mean, based on what might happen this winter, uh, I think we would all agree with this, too, that even with full health and with Stephen Piscotty healthy and, and able to you know, give you full season of service and whoever else wasn't available all year long, I don't know that they have a roster that could compete with, say, the Yankees or the Dodgers right now. It's super close, and maybe it's a tweak away. And, you know, they're not in the market for a Garrett Cole or a Steven Strasburg or an Anthony Rendon. But what they are in the market for, my guess, David could confirm this with you, is maybe that next tier of guy. Zach Wheeler was that next tier of guy. He's off the board now. But there are there are other free agent commodities out there. Wade Miley was really good last year in Houston before he hit a strange wall in August and then struggled. A guy like that who's got postseason experience who is going to come to you a lot cheaper. Uh, and I'm remiss for not remembering the name of the player now, but there's a, a free agent Japanese hitter that's posted right now uh, a first baseman outfielder, and certainly there's no need for first base help in Oakland, but who wouldn't say no to a DH outfielder that has the capability of hitting 300 and posting an OPS of uh, 875 or higher? And I should know the guy's name, and I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's actually very tough to pronounce. It's tough to pronounce, yeah, and it's totally escaping about. me right now. <laughs> but anyway, he played in the World Baseball Classic. Like, the guy's got a chance to help a team this year. The A's are creative, and David and his guys are as good as it gets in, you know, finding that value player, whether it's a free agent or a trade target, and turning him into a really good star. Well, that's the thing that I think we all respect so much is there's never, hey, we're going into rebuild mode. No, we're always going to try and win. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work where you have a couple of years. But when you've been to the playoffs under Billy Bean 10 times out of 20 years, that's saying a lot. And, of course, last year when they came up with the, the new award for the executive of the year and Billy won it in the first year, it just yeah. goes to show that – you know, the A's are not going to go in the direction that we've seen so many teams go in, which I'm hoping we're seeing that trend now. We are talking about it earlier in the show that there's quite a few front offices right now who have their feet to the fire. So mm-hmm. it looks like going into this year we're seeing more money spent early, and now what we're seeing now that some front offices know that, you know, their time's up. they got to start winning or there's going to be a regime change. Yeah, it's true. I think one of them is here, too. The Padres have tried yeah. a number of different tacks to try to scale the Dodger Mountain in the NL West. And, uh, look, a manager hire uh, that kind of came out of left field for some. Not a lot of people were familiar with Jace Tingler, but their staff, A.J. Preller, convinced he's the right guy. So there's got to be something there. Uh, they've tweaked the roster a bit. Uh, you know, they bring back Drew Pomerantz on a pretty lucrative deal based on a good two and a half months after he got traded from the Giants to the Brewers last year. So, yeah, they, that's one of those teams with with a quote-unquote foot to the fire. But you're right in your in your take, and I think everybody agrees nationally too, Chris, that the A's are not one of those teams. There's a successful model in place. They're winning uh, without the large ease of the monster payroll teams like the, the Red Sox and Cubs and Yankees. And for those reasons, everybody everybody kind of looks at the A's as being dangerous every year. Dangerous, and then that takes me to Houston. So we'll use the word dangerous for the A's. Can you use the word vulnerable for Houston right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For so many reasons. The, 
The subtraction of coal alone puts them in the vulnerable category. With all the hand-wringing that's going on around this sign-stealing scandal, and by the way, I find it curious that we just have stopped talking about that for some reason because there's no new news, but I can guarantee you that it's being taken pretty seriously on Park Avenue. And, you know, the, the, the now proven-to-be-accurate accusations of the garbage can banging and all this stuff that this John Boy guy on, on Twitter verified with video, that happened. Right, So they can't say, no, that didn't happen. It happened. We see it. We hear the accusations, and there's video proof of it. What the speculation is now is that was there something even more diabolical happening there in terms of an advantage-gaining scandal? In other words, you get the signs, and then how are you conveying that information to the guy at the plate? And I don't want to fuel the fire of speculation here because there are a lot of wild things that have been suggested as to what actually happened. Wild. There. Wild. You've probably heard the same yeah, stuff. I mean, it's I like, mean, really? If that was going down, then, man, the league's got to come down hard. Uh, if it wasn't going down, and I, as a baseball fan, hope it wasn't, then somebody in Houston needs to make a public statement about it, right? Because we haven't heard anything from their guys. Not a thing. And whether, you know, you think that the manager or the GM or the somebody representing the organization needs to address what they did, which has been proven, and the allegations that are out there, proven or not. Because if people are spending the kind of money that they spend and they're going to these games and they don't think it's on the up and up, it's not good for the sport. And not to mention, like, think of some of the players. Like, Alex Bregman is one of the most talented stars in the game. And you can say that for a half dozen other guys on that roster. Now they have to deal with this, right? And it's, it's, it's seen by some in the baseball world as a little bit of luster off of their stars. And that's really unfortunate that we should be looking at those players as anything other than superstar talents, which Bregman is. But now, in the back of your mind as a fan, especially as a fan of a rival team, you're going to be look, looking at them going, mm-hmm, what kind, of, you know, what kind of unfair advantage did you have the last three years that nobody else did? I, it's, it's a rotten conversation. That's why I feel strongly that the Astros need to, at some point, make a statement about it. Yeah, my, my producer, Commander Cody, came at me with that. Well, should we look at Altuve winning the MVP? I said, slow down. Altuve was way better on the road than he was at home the year he won the MVP. Yeah. So I don't want to take anybody's MVP away because I love Altuve. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. But, Agreed. yeah, just just that speculation. It's just it, it's not good for our game when right now, like, what we're seeing here in San Diego, baseball's doing well. You know, there's yeah. a lot of interest in, in the money that's being thrown around. And, you know, and at some point, you know, once we get past the pitchers, we, we got a third baseman who just lit it up in the postseason that needs to get paid. Right, that's right. Um, man, I, boy, I mean, the, that's across the bridge when it gets their conversation for some. But for those like yourself who are in this every day, Simeon, Chapman, Olsen, like the core, man, I hope they can keep this group around because we all remember the tough decisions that the A's had to make around the Giambi Tejada Chavez teams. There was money for one of them, and it was Chavi. And it, there wasn't a right or wrong answer there. They could only afford one of those guys. And Giambi went on and had the big years in New York, and Tejada same in Baltimore and, and Houston. And it broke up the band probably three or four years prematurely. And I hope to goodness that doesn't happen with this current vintage of A's teams. What would a new ballpark mean to you? It, it would mean just that. It would mean the opportunity to keep everybody around. It would mean we could stop 
the kvetching about we don't have the revenues. And the A's don't do that, by the way. To their credit, they don't, they don't pull that fire alarm. It's, it's everybody in the media that talks about it. And I also, as a, you know, a kid that grew up in the East Bay that cut his teeth going to games there, I hate hearing the Coliseum trashed as often as we do by people that have never been there. People in the media who take shots at the home ballpark, we know it's old. We, you know, we get it. But it's, it's our park. Right, so Bob Melvin has done a great job preaching the message to the players: embrace the home ballpark. There's a ton of foul territory here. The fan experience might not be as good, or it might be different. But from a competitive standpoint, cash in on that foul territory, and you know, ask Homer Bailey about it. Right, ask Tanner Roark about it. They loved it, those guys, and there'll be another group of pitchers that love it this year too. MLB's last dive bar. Is what we're calling it these days. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I think the New York Times. By the way, I didn't know that we dropped a Commander Cody on you. You know, Commander Cody actually filmed a video at Quickway in Oakland. You know that Quickway place by the Grand Lake Theater? There was, I, I see, again, this is my early onset dementia that's really getting the best of me at the age of 52. I can't remember the name of the song. I can't remember the name of that Japanese free agent. I can't remember the name of the Commander Cody song that they did the video at Quickway. But you're Mass Vaskersion, so you're good. Yoshitomo Tsutsugo. I told you it's not an easy Thanks, one. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Gee whiz. How do you forget that name? Hey, thank you for letting us steal her from, from you guys. She's, she's she the is best. still so, so sorely missed at our place. Not, not to speak ill of anybody that's attempted to replace her, but there's only one. Only one of her, unfortunately for us. She is special. Yeah, you guys are lucky. Hey, thank you so much for stopping by. It means yeah, a lot. And you know, hey, you guys. this fan base loves you. Yeah. Thanks. I they, mean, they know you're repping, but they know you're from the East Bay. They know you're a Bay Area guy. Homer, I'm a, I fly that A's freak flag around in Secaucus, New Jersey, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You're from Oakland. No, you don't get it, actually. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get flexed, and we'll see you out in Oakland. I'm pushing for the flex, man. If it happens, you'll hear from us. Enjoy the rest of the meetings. All right, Chris. Thanks, man. We got more coming up right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. So in moments, we're going to have former general manager of the San Francisco Giants, Bobby Evans, three-time World Series champion. I'd be very interested to hear from him about Madison Bumgarner. I got a feeling that once Cole comes off the board, Wheeler's gone. Strasburg's gone. And then you talk about Cole. You start looking at, at somebody who's got, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, say what you want about what his ERA was on the road last year. It's still Madison Baumgartner. It's still a guy that has been pitching in big games for a long, long time that if you could get him, I mean, wouldn't you, Commander, if you could get him for under $100 million? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that, I mean, he's the next guy off the market. Like, if you start saying 110, 115, I mean, he's never been a guy who has chased the top dollar. He's never been that guy. He didn't chase it early. And whenever anyone asks him about, hey, you're on the most pitcher-friendly contract, he never sweated it whatsoever. So, do I think now all of a sudden he's going to get money hungry? He, you know what? I think most guys would. I don't know if he's that guy. 
I don't think so. I don't think I don't think so either. And that's why I think that. Well, we were talking about on the way down here. You were saying you think the Twins are team. I think no, they, no, no. It's just a report that I saw. No, I think they're the, like. It, it, yeah, I have so much. I have so much stuff in front of me. It's a top seven moves that could be made. I think the Angels are the best are a good fit for him if they don't get Garrett Cole. I think the Angels are a great fit for Bumgarner. You want you want it, you already have a you already have a World Series champion manager. Why not add a World Series champion pitcher with the greatest postseason run ever? Yeah, I mean that that is that is something that. You know, if you're going to lose out on Garrett Cole and you're going to save yourself from having to spend $300 million and I then can get someone, let's say, Mass and Bumgarner for $80 million, am I really going to feel that bad? I mean, we act like Garrett Cole is going to pitch like this for the next eight or so how many years. Reality is you don't know that. And you're going to be – I mean – once again, this is why people get so worried about these long-term contracts because these players don't get better as they get older. And what are you going to look like? Is Garrett Cole throwing 100 miles an hour at 35, 37 years old and you're paying him you know, over $35 million a year? Is that really going to happen? No, and you're right. How many guys have we seen recently that have gotten better as they get older? One guy, is, I mean, he kind of found it as he got older was Jake Arrieta. Remember how good he was with the Cubs for those couple of years? But you're right. No guys really get better as they get older. They, they well, start... especially when you're a power guy. Well, except, well Nolan Ryan, Verlander. but he's a freak. Verlander's gotten better. But Verlander's not throwing like he used to. He's still Verla- throwing hard. Verlander didn't throw 98-99. He can't get it to 100. Verlander lives mid-90s. That was that was always crazy about him. He, he hit 97, then the eighth inning with 100 pitches, he'd be ramping up to 100-plus. Yeah, but do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that that that's the... That's the Verlander has has changed. He's adapted his game. He now throws more sliders than ever before. He's had to adapt because he's older. If Verlander was still trying to pitch like he was in Detroit, he'd be getting bombed right now because he doesn't throw as hard as he used to. Yeah, and I mean, well, he got bombed. Um, let's be honest, he got bombed this year too. How many? He gave up like what thirty-five plus homers. Oh, yeah, and it's in a Cy Young. It's an outlier year. year. It's yeah, an, it's a it's a total outlier but, year. By the way, we can stop talking about outliers with Jacob Degrom since he won a second Cy Young. The great Matt excursion leaving the building. Um, yeah. So what's Cole going to look like at thirty-five? What's he, he going to look? I mean, what, I mean, and, and you're paying him that kind of. That's what's so dangerous. It's like, you know. Look at CC. What did CC look like at the end of his career? Um, he got worse every year. I mean, it's just it's just like to, to think that you're going to be somebody that's going to be that same guy for all these years. It's just not. It, it's not a reality. Was was it Andrew Simon from MLB.com that had the article talking about how Cole, like Cole's ERA would be each year and it, like it got better as he got older? It's not. It's yeah. And it's, it's just like uh, I don't know, especially if he's pitching in the AL, it's and in the AL East going against the Red Sox and the Rays. And the baby Jays are going to be better. Well, and, and the and, Orioles might be good in 30 years. And basically every place is a bandbox but Tampa. Yeah. So that's I mean, you're pitching, a, you're pitching a bandbox. It's almost like I have to overpay for a second half of a contract to then get the good years of the front part of the contract. And that's where baseball, if it could ever change – is where it needs to go, is these short contracts. It's like, say, okay, listen, I'm going to pay you for five years, but I'm going to pay you $50 million a year. 
I'm going to pay you more for less time versus having to pay you for eight years when I know in year five, six, seven, eight, you're not going to be the same guy. Well, that's why teams are looking to give in Rendon the he wants a shorter contract, which is smart. Oh, yeah, you would love that. He's already going to be 30, and you're looking to give him a shorter deal because everyone keeps saying, how long is he going to play for? Now, he's interesting, because, and I just saw a report from uh, Anthony Katrovitz that they feel like that he might not sign soon because there's more teams interested in him now. So, so he's we'll going to play the waiting game? So we'll see if he ends up with the Dodgers, Rangers, or somehow the Nats are able to bring him back. Isn't that funny how we've had a basic freeze for two years. Now we don't have a freeze. We have people all in. Let's get guys signed now. And it's all pitchers. It's not the everyday players. You know, the guy who could probably help you the most on an everyday basis in a 162 scenario is Anthony Rendon. And we really haven't heard anything about numbers or dollars with him. Everybody else, we've heard the speculation, and that's because the agents want to get it out there. And you wonder if Scott Boris has said to him, hey, lay low. Don't worry about it. Let me get the pitchers done, and then we'll make it happen. Because there's no, there's no, there hasn't been a whole lot of numbers thrown out there for Anthony Rendon. This is uh, this is from John Heyman. He just tweeted this. Cole's expected to be a huge number now. Forget the 245 million pitching record. The better markers: 300 million, 326 double first CC deal, 330 million free agent player record Bryce Harper 350 million what is he going to get what say that again he's talking about all the different numbers but he's talking about how high the number could go I don't there's no way it's going to 350 million dollars 300 well there's no way well as we were talking about earlier the Yankees are not that team anymore this Steinbrenner regime and maybe we could go over and ask the Yes Network is their live, oh, my God, the great Rich Herrera. The legend that is Rich Herrera. Maybe we could go over to the live Yes Network. I'm sure we're, I'm sure we're feeding into their live show right now. Anyway. Oh, I'm sure they're like, who's that loud guy over there? Who's that guy with the ace? Why is he so loud? Go, 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 walk, go walk over. Well, they're doing live television right now, Yes Network. Go it looks there, like it. Go over and say, hey, what are you hearing dollar-wise? So where is Cole here? Where's Cashman? We want to know. Cashman supposedly arrived. Brian Cashman. Let me get. You know, I, I love the official titles. He's Z, he's senior VP, general manager. He's senior. He's been there what the same amount of time as Billy, pretty much. He's been there for like over well twenty three years. years. He and Billy are the longest execs. Billy actually started in ninety seven, but that was after the season. And Cashman, so Billy got hired October 17th, 1979. I mean, 1997. And Cashman uh, is February 3rd, 1998. So 23 years these two guys have been running franchises. Billy Bean's title is executive. Now, now he's executive VP baseball operations. Brian Cashman is senior VP general manager. They both have been pretty successful in their uh, 20 plus years with each organization. Heim Bloom is the only chief baseball officer. This, oh, the old CBO. The old CBO. I think we're going to see more of that come around. 
You're the CBO, get, the new title. You're going to get the CBO, the chief baseball officer. Jerry DePoto, how about this, is executive vice president and general manager baseball operations. Because what, the Browns with Paul D. Podesta, he's like their chief football officer. Jeffrey Luno is president of baseball operations and GM. So he's both. These titles are so – okay, here you go. Date Moore. You know what Date Moore is of the Kansas City Royals? Senior vice president, baseball operations, and general manager. Why so many titles? I don't know. And World Series champion, Date Moore. That, that is still the one that – I mean, the fact that – you know, when do we – Bobby Evans is in a conversation right now, so we're waiting on Bobby Evans. But we – I, we've got a great article about this last decade. You think about the stuff that happened this last decade. It's a really good list. Oh, the the number two thing in there is great. Talking about Strasburg and uh, holding him out and how yeah. that actually helped him. Because for years, how long, how many years did we rip the Nationals for doing that? For pulling him out, not letting him. What you are know, you pitch? saving him for? Yeah, what do you, what do you, I, was, I was saying saving this year with the Padres and Chris Paddock. Like, what are you doing? You, you're trying to win now. And then you're, you're going to be like, well, we're going to put innings limits on these But guys. the only thing that saves that. Now, let, there is no proof whatsoever that holding Strasburg out for that playoffs had anything to do with this year's postseason. No, that was eight years, what, seven years ago. There, yeah, there's no proof that by doing that allowed this to happen. So you're telling me that 24 years old. But, the right to, I mean, but you can now say, someone can say, see? See, I told you so. And look what it's done for him. It's landed him a seven-year, $245 million deal. Good for him. I'm glad for him. And he's, What other guy besides Granke who opted out, and he opted out and got $135.5 million more than his initial deal, have we seen a guy get more money after they opted out? Now Strasburg got $145 million more than the $100 million he was going to get if he would have opted in. So he made himself $145 million by opting out and resigning with the Nationals. Well, and i got to say that style for Strasburg has changed things a lot, too, for him. The fact that, if you remember, you know, being at San Diego State playing for Tony Gwynn, where he's blowing 102 miles an hour and lined up the radar gun, he's not that guy anymore. He's actually learned. Strasburg has evolved – from a thrower to a pitcher. And when you look at his changeup, you look at his breaking stuff, still with the velocity that he has, it has been very impressive to watch. And that, and that ages well. That's the thing. It's like if you can become that guy that still has somewhat velocity, but yet you've learned how to pitch, add and subtract, and, and get better as a pitcher, you survive. If you're someone who is just going to live off the big fastball, the odds are, I mean, you're not going to be, you know, if the odds are you're not going to be Nolan Ryan. The odds are you're not going to be throwing 98 miles an hour when you're in your 40s. <coughs> That's just a reality. Probably not. And it'll be, it, he's going to be a good case study, kind of like we're talking about the Rays and their, and their uh, bullpen and how it's going to be this year, how well his arm ages. So. By the way, I just texted Stu and told him, let's just do it another next week when we're not here. At the winter meetings? Yeah, I told him, let's just do it when, we do, when we're back in, our, back in our studio. Back in our controlled environment Yeah, where we need to be. So a lot of moves still to be done here at the winter meetings as 
you know, some of the dominoes started to fall before we even got to San Diego. A, do- a big domino has fallen. And as of today, you know, this is going to be like, like be on your phone all night long. Brian Cashman supposedly is getting Cashman is getting the offers as we speak for Garrett Cole, which is we're hearing potentially three hundred million three hundred million dollars for a guy you're hoping to take thirty two to thirty three starts a year. That's it. I it's just astronomical. But you know what? Perfect storm. Have a career year. Be career-wise in the postseason. Become a free agent, and you're under the age of 30. A lot of people around here, and I just kind of think it's the Yankee thing, that everybody always just thinks the Yankees are going to win out. I'm not so sure about that. Artie Moreno is going to come with a big check, but Matt Vaskersian was very good about that. You know, the money that they put out on Trout, the money that they've put out on now buying their land there at the Big A. I want to call it the Duck Pond. What is that? What is the name of the uh, where the ducks play? It is a duck pond. But don't they have a corporate name for it? Oh, the Honda Center. The Honda Center. So they've bought the land, and they spent over $300 million on that. That's a lot of money, but Artie Moreno's not afraid to spend money. And Mike Farron from... Sirius XM and also works for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, we're talking about, you know, every, every he put it perfectly. This isn't the George Steinbrenner era. The Yankees don't spend money the way they used to. They are constantly now trying to be under the luxury tax. The luxury tax is very penal, and they try and be under that. The Dodgers, everybody. And that's what the Red Sox are trying to do now. So that's the that's the that's the thing about, you know, who's driving this price at three hundred million? Is it the Yankees? Do they want him that bad? Are they willing to go back over the luxury tax? Are they willing to go back where they've came where they tried to get under for one guy who plays once every five days when lately the Yankees haven't been giving those big deals? So we're, we're going to have Bobby Evans just a second. So we'll uh, – you want to break here? Oh, no, he's going to come up. Okay, so we won't break. Well, it's always good to see him. I got to tell you, Bobby Evans was always great to us. There was no question about it. You know, so there were sometimes you're like, how is the Giants GM going to treat the A's? Uh, Bobby was always fantastic. Do we got – is allowed to – Turn down a little bit. How's that? I'm good. Good to be with you guys. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Good to be with you. The beautiful San Diego. We've had some rain in the Bay Area, so it's. Uh, I know it's clearing up at home, and now it's beautiful here. So. And we're getting some deals done here. <laughs> Apparently so. How about that? San sir? Diego native, I hear. So. Seven years, $245 million for Steven Strasburg. What did you think when you heard that? Well, I, you know, I, I couldn't be happier for uh, you know him to be able to stay with his own organization. I mean, obviously that's special. You were drafted there. You come up there. You now you're World Series MVP. You've hit the pinnacle of of what you want to accomplish, and and now he's a part of that organization going forward. I mean, it's great for for Nationals fans having lost one of their their 
cornerstone players last year. Now they're going to be able to keep him. And that's, I know it'll make it tough on what's next for them, but clearly uh, it's a great baseball move. Uh, it's a lot of money, though, and uh, we know uh, – we know the upsides and downsides of that. So, Yeah, what is that like when you're controlling something like that and you're going through contract negotiations and you're doing with Scott Boris to where you, versus talking about a guy who plays every day versus a guy that you're hoping to get like 32, 33 starts out of? Well, you know, starting pitching's value is up. I mean, obviously, from watching this postseason and, and the advantages that it brings, it obviously brought tremendous advantage to the Nationals and the, and the Astros, for that matter. I think that... You know, these are decisions that are made collaboratively with your ownership. I mean, these are, you know, these are, these are not, you know, you don't spend $245 million for PR. You spend it to win. But, you know, there's some element of, you know, the, the, the fans' you know, interest in seeing their, their favorite guy out there every fifth day. And when you're assessing that kind of contract versus a position player, uh, you know, I don't know what ultimately the deal will look like for, you know, obviously Harper's deal was pretty significant. I'm not sure what the other guy's. Uh, deal will look like Rendon at the end of the day but you know this is you know starting pitching's value is 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 evident I mean that's why they were so successful because of their starting pitching and you know you have to assess your system you have to assess the market and you have to assess what other options you have and clearly this is their guy when you hear the rumors of Garrett Cole and 300 million what goes through your mind you know, I look back at, at contracts that started with a two and thought that was a lot. So I, I, I am, uh, you, know, you know, I know the revenue in the game has is, is never been higher, right? I mean, it's, it, the values of these franchises has never been higher. And, you know, the, the value of, of, uh, of uh, you know, Cole, I mean, he was clearly, you know, if not the best, one of the top two or three best in the game. And, and he's come a long way from his time in Pittsburgh, and he showed value that, you know, in many ways carried carried the team on his back. And uh, that's, you know, with, with Scott having signed this deal, you know where the floor is, right? So uh, we'll see where it takes him. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised anything that happens. You talk about a guy, what he means, and I know this guy means a lot to you. And I think once we see Cole come off the board, now that'll be Wheeler, Strasburg, Cole, I think about your guy, Madison Bumgarner, and what he meant, and, you know, your three – World Series championships, even as a young kid in the first one, and then, of course, what he meant in the second one, and then just being just, my God, a, a, an absolute monster in 2014. He didn't have a great year away from, now would be Oracle Park, about to call it AT&T, but I don't know. There's still something about Madison Baumgartner. I mean, when you think about him going into free agency now, what do you think about your guy? I, I know that uh, as general managers look at him, they know he's going to pitch – you know, uh, games that matter and, and, and pitch them with precision. And I, I understand the, the, the numbers were what they were on the road and ultimately, you know, the numbers overall. Uh, this is his first full season back after missing both parts of 2017 and 2018. So, uh, you know, again, he's not a guy that's ever relied heavily on velocity. It's location, it's deception, it's arm angle, it's the angle of the pitch coming in, against, especially against righties, and it's the, it, the, the, the curveball and, and, and knowing how to uh, mix speeds and mix locations and pitching plan. And I think, I think, uh, I think Bum is behind the scenes uh, more analytical about his performances than probably people even realize. And, and he, studies, he studies his performance you know, uh, against opposing hitters before outings and then repeats that study after outings. Uh, he, he's very hard on himself. He's a perfectionist. Um, 
I think that what you're signing is a guy with a tremendous work ethic, a tremendous uh, fire, uh, you know, in many ways can uh, you know, be a face of a clubhouse and, and a leader in a clubhouse. Uh, he, you know, he, he wants to be successful. And so if you ever want to you know, see Bum quiet, it's when he's really you know, concerned about his own contribution and performance. Otherwise, he's, you know, he's clearly a, a good teammate and somebody that you know, the, the clubhouse turns to. And, and when he goes out there, everybody knows to be at their best on every fifth day. I think about the toughness. I think about the fire. And, you know, I just start thinking about a change, of sc- a change of scenery for a guy like that, what that could mean for him in his career. Well, we've seen how it's impacted others, right? I mean, you know, uh, you know Verlander, I mean, you look at, you know, uh, you know Granke to a certain extent so far, uh, you know, Cole uh, and, and many others. And, and that's, you know, that's what you hope for, you know. And, again, he'll have to pick. You know, if he's in an American League situation, that will be very different for him. I can't imagine him. Uh, you know, uh, necessarily gravitating first to American League, but he'll have to look at the best situation, and, and he wants to go probably someplace that has a good chance of winning, and that's why they're signing them is they want to put them over the top or, or be another con- contributor to, to their success. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun year for him. I, I do think a new environment can can really recharge the batteries and, and, and re, you know, reassess how you're doing things and, and learn from, from new people. We saw some really bad teams last year, which led to some really high win totals, right? 107, 106, 103. I mean, for God's sakes, the A's were, they won 97 games, and all it got you was a wild card game for the second straight year. I mean, how crazy is that? No, I mean, we've made wild cards winning, what, 87, 88 games. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just shows you the imbalance, you know, right now in the game of, of some of the teams of the haves and have-nots and some of those that are, you know, trying to win right now and are trying to win later. So, uh, it is hard. It is hard on the game, and I, I think the you know, ninety-seven win team really shouldn't have to be in a wild card. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. But then, you know, I think about where we are now. It's kind of like the in, in a very short time, the script has flipped to where we're talking about this with Matt Vasquezian. There's quite a few franchises out there right now where you got to start winning, right? Their front offices need to start winning because if they don't start winning. There could be a regime change. Are you starting to see that in the game where it's like, okay, enough, enough with the rebuilding. You know, the owner's looking down going, I need to see some W's. Yeah, I mean, rebuilding has never been a, 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 a foolproof plan. I mean, it, it, sometimes uh, you, you can look at the success of Houston and Chicago and say, you know, those are great examples of how, you know, rebuilding can happen. When you have so many teams rebuilding at once, there's only so many top draft picks. There's only so many uh, free agent signings. There's only so many farm systems that can can be number one or number two or number three. So at some point, uh, there's going to be some some failed attempts to rebuild, and and that's unfortunate, uh, of course. But yeah, ownership and fans are going to get impatient at some point, and that's that's ultimately part of it. And you know, you you hope you have an ownership group that'll stick with you and allow you to try. You know, you know turn it over another way but if not and there's turnover in the front office the next guy will come in and he'll get the the benefit of what you left and hopefully uh you know not not fall short as the last guy did i i I understand exactly what you're saying the sense of so many managers changing you do wonder you know if if those managers changing is a preemptive sign of what could come two years from now with you know, general managers changing if, in fact, these clubs don't don't get it all on get get going on all cylinders. Yeah, I think you know you had Bruce Bochy. We've got Bob Melvin. You know, whenever you have a revolving door of a voice of a manager, it just seems like such a bad deal. 
I mean, you can speak to it. I mean, the fact that every single day you go down to that clubhouse and a guy like Bruce Bochy is there, I mean, what that does for you for a front office is huge. No, I mean, exactly. And, and you know, what it does for a clubhouse, you know, too. These players know, you know, what to expect day in and day out. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's priceless really for them. And I think that as a front office, when you have a manager who – you know, can handle not only what he's, what he's, how he's managing a clubhouse, but how he's handling the game tactically. I mean, those are very valuable, uh, you know, pieces for a general manager to not have to worry about. And I think that um, as the game's evolved, I mean, I think that there's, there's fewer and fewer, you know, Bob Melvin's and, and Bruce Bochy's managing right now. But, you know, there's some young guys that have promise, I guess. So when I think about your guys' run in San Francisco, now that you've stepped back away from it for a little while, I, you think of three championships, I mean, have, you been, have you been able to sit back and really go, wow, we, we've got three World Series rings? Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, we don't take it for granted. I never have. Uh, we, you know, we knew as we were experiencing that, that, you know, as much as we wanted to continue that, uh, that winning path, we thought, uh, you know, every, every championship was special and it was no surefire way that we would get the next one. And, and winning three and five was, you know, very special and a very special group. And, and in many ways, you know, those successes may be part of the reason I'm on the sidelines now because we wanted to, you know, extend that window a little a little larger with the same group, and, and yet we didn't get to do that. And You guys got nothing to be ashamed of. You <laughs> well, got thanks. nothing to be ashamed of <laughs> Thank whatsoever. You. Thank you. And, I, I mean, and, and, and I think you, you – what, what's so interesting about that run is really there was one guy in the lineup for all three, which was Buster Posey. There's really one guy starting the whole time, Mass and Bumgarner. You had three different closers. It just goes to show that it factor, you just don't know how to get it. But when you get it, it's like the most special thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I remember Buster, after we won the first one, he was like, I don't know why we can't do this every year. And we're like, well, and Kruko, I remember telling him, Buster, you got to appreciate this. This is the first time in 50, what, 54 years for the Giants. So you're 56 years for the Giants. So. You know, it doesn't happen that that easy that often. And then, lo and behold, two years later, we win another one, and uh, and and Buster, two years later, they win another one. And so, you know, it it, it goes to show you how special you know that combination of guys were. And at the same time, I and mean, we did have you know, you know, I think we had, uh, you know, Crawford told me as we were walking back into the Pentagon, hit uh, Ritz Carlton or whatever there in D.C. after after the 2000. And and 12 championship 2013 we're at the white house we're walking back into the hotel and he's like you know we would have won in 2011 if you hadn't sent me down (laughs) (laughs) and you know what he had a good point he had a good point he had a good point so down here at the winter meetings what are you working on now well right now uh you know still with the giants but you know i've been at arm's distance i've basically uh, been on the sidelines and and available if needed but but not really called upon for this last year so i've I've really been working uh, in projects with the commissioner's office and in um, in some you know youth baseball initiatives, including uh, one particular one in in Cairo, Egypt, uh, where we're starting a youth baseball program. Up to 2,500 kids in Egypt now playing baseball. I've had an opportunity to visit the Dominican Republic and look at some initiatives that baseball could undertake that would impact the poverty of many of the young uh, families there that ultimately become you know grow up and become prospects for us to sign for lots of money, but dealing with the poverty over there, there's a lot that baseball could do. Uh, so I've spent a, a lot of time on those kind of projects. And uh, at the same time, uh, you know, it's been a little extra time with family. And, uh, you know, one thing I, I probably can't replace is the time I've had. It's been, it's been good, but 
ready to get busy again. And this is the time of year where we're normally the most busy. So I'm hoping that there'll be a, a pathway to, to, you know, reconnect with the game on a daily basis here soon. Well, hey, congratulations on all the success. And once again, you were always so good to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, you're out there doing good and making life better for other people, which is always very special. Happy holidays. Have a great Christmas. And uh, let's talk in the new year. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. Three-time World Series champion Bobby Evans right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What a day one. Getting any better than that? Still on over. Kevin Cash is supposed to come over. Oh, really? I totally forgot about that. He Did he have his uh, – so so it's it's a trip on our uh, press passes. He doesn't speak till on the know, back 440. It, on the back it has uh, when these guys talk on which day. Uh, by the way um, – Kevin Cash is talking at 440. Apparently when you told David that he didn't have to do it this week, he – Took it literally, so I don't know if we'll have David Forst on, but we'll get Billy and Bob. I mean, I, 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 I've kind of worn my welcome <laughs> out with David Forst, to be honest. We've had him what? We had him on the show in Oakland. Then I had to do the uh, inside the clubhouse when we did the thing for whether it was A's Access and selling sweets and everything. So I'm sure David is uh, – I'm sure David's townied out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should give him a little time off. Well, we haven't we haven't had Billy on in a while. Well, what are we going to ask David that we haven't asked him like two straight times? Oh, uh, what's? Can you confirm the rumors about Tim Hill? Do you really want him? Tim Hill, career three. He's a three. He's a career three. He's a win loss record of three and four with a four eleven ERA. He's thirty years old. Doesn't make much money with the Royals, but he's a guy that you could probably pitch out of now with a new role, having to face three batters. He might be a guy that you can come out and have a nice long relief. Uh, outing for the A's. Hey, am I missing something? Because we've had two Padre fans come over and say, uh, uh, hey, we're getting jerks and Profar. They're big fans. They, they're probably still living off the idea that he was a number one prospect before. Well, and then there was, well, his defensive metrics. Well, when Matt Olson saves you from like 10-plus errors, yeah, your defensive metrics don't look as bad. And he still made, what, 15 errors as a second baseman? Right? Yeah, it's somewhere around there. I'll check. How many, how, many, how many errors do you think Matt Olson saved him? How many balls did he throw in the dirt? It's, it's well over 10. Oh, yeah. It, it, well, Olson does it with everyone. That's why he's a, he's a two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner. No, but I mean, I mean with Profar from second base, the shortest throw in the infield. I mean, he has the uh, the Chuck Knobloch thing. Remember when Knobloch? Oh, he's got the yips. Yeah, yeah, Steve Sachs. He has the yips. Uh, there is see. no question. Uh, scrolling still. I'm gonna say it's 15. He had. It's frozen. We're getting there. Uh, I want to say he. Had, why is it? Thir- 13. He had 13. 13. Yeah, 13 errors. He easily could have had well over 20. Easily. Well, why don't we do buying or selling until Cash shows up? Good thing I prepared it. Uh, one second. Kevin Cash, manager of the Rays. 
It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Winter meetings edition. Yeah, well, hopefully, I, didn't, I haven't looked at it since I wrote it, so hopefully some of the stuff is still valid. With uh, Okay, here we go. We'll start with this one. <laughs> so Texas, the Texas Rangers. What, one signing has screwed up your entire buying or selling? Um, it might have. Uh, so the Texas Rangers, we're still efforting to get Chris Woodward on. I'm trying to get this taping set up with him. Um, apparently, they're a few minutes behind on cash, but that's okay. We can go over 4 o'clock, so be prepared. Um, the Rangers almost competed in 2019 with first-year manager Chris, Chris Woodward, hopefully friend of the program soon. They finished 78-84, third in the AL West. Mike Miner and Lance Loon were both great last year for the Rangers, both having bounce-back years and producing over 200 Ks each, although Miner's was kind of conf- uh, confrontational or um, controversial in the way they did it because they dropped that pop-up, blah, blah, blah. But this offseason, they've signed Kyle Gibson to a three-year deal worth $30 million and Jordan Lyles to a two-year deal worth $16 million. They've also ha- they also have Colby Allard, who they got from the Braves, a young lefty they acquired last year at the trade deadline for Cody Martin. Chris Martin, sorry. So buying or selling, more teams will follow the Rangers' starting pitching model. Buster only, sorry, Buster only said that teams are giving thumbs up for the way the Rangers are taking low risk on these guys, signing them to these mid-level deals. So buying or selling, more teams will follow the Rangers' starting pitching method. Well, isn't that what the A's did in 2018? Yeah, now the Rangers are doing, but they're, the Rangers are spending... I mean, ten million a year on on uh, Kyle Gibson is is a lot, but I mean, I, I like I like what, not really. Yeah, not anymore. I mean, ten million. I mean, Steven Strasburg will make that in ten starts. I mean, we have to we 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 literally have to stop worrying about other people's money. It's not our money. It's liter- It's not your money. Two hundred and forty-five million to Steven Strasburg. It's not your money. Why do you care? Baseball yeah. is really the one sport where we care so much about what each guy is making per year, how he's making it. Is it deferred? Why is he making 28 this year, but the next year makes 30? Who cares? They're all rich. And $10 million in baseball is that. So I'm buying. This is a really good model. It can work if those guys stay healthy and they give you starts. I mean, Lynn and Meyer. Starts and innings. They both stayed healthy, and it worked out for them very well, so. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. If you can get the starts and you can get the innings, you know, that's all that matters. And now joining us, he's one of the top skippers in all of Major League Baseball. And uh, obviously, we it's always interesting when you talk about the A's and the Rays. Kevin Cash is with us here from the Rays. Winter meetings, how are you? I'm good, man. Just flew in about three hours ago and uh, getting this thing underway. You guys are the... First group I get to talk with, looking forward to it. And I, I you know, I ad- admire what the, the A's do also. And I think there are some correlations between the Rays and the A's. But first and foremost, obviously, what Billy Bean, David Forrest, Dan Feinstein, and then obviously Bob Melvin. What a guy to, to, you know, watch, emulate his style, what he does, how he gets the most out of players. Pretty special group. Well, congratulations on the season you guys had. You ended up beating us in the wild card. And then you did, you did everything you could to, to take down that ALDS. You have to be so proud of your guys. We were. We were really proud of them. And, uh, you know, that, that was a, a daunting task to go into Oakland. I mean, those fans, what a group of fans they had yelling and screaming when that game started. We were fortunate that Yandy got the big hits for us and, and put us on the board early. Uh, and then, you know, there were a lot of growth moments for, for our players, for myself, never do- doing that in that position, being a part of that. 
through through the the Houston series. It was a great experience and something that we've now we got a taste of it. We want to build on it. What's it like doing it for the first time? Um, you know, as a player, well, I wasn't a very good player, so I got to be a really good cheerleader in the dugout. <laughs> uh, but you know, having you know a little bit more responsibility in the dugout and, and the decisions that we make as a staff, and and trying to keep the guys positive when you're facing guys like uh, Sean Manier or Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander, those are that, it got fun. And the, watching the guys respond, uh, we'll be better for it the next time we get there. And I think about just the year with you guys. I remember when. We were down in Tampa, and I remember doing a bunch of interviews for my pregame show, and that's when the, the Montreal thing broke. I mean, there, there, was, there seemed to be able to be a lot of distractions around you guys that you didn't let happen. Well, that's a credit to, I think, look, our, we got a good staff, and I think our front office does a tremendous job of getting out in the front of some of these things. And they, they let some players know that, hey, this news is going to break. And, they, you know, all teams deal with some adversity, whether they're injuries, whether it's breaking news, you know, whatever it is, they deal with it. And I think our youthfulness helps us a lot. These guys are, they come to the ballpark just excited to play. And they're not thinking about anything else but winning tonight's game. And when you take that mentality, a lot of those things you can overcome. Yeah, I think about when we – I always say that we're mirror images of each other both on the field and off the field with the stadium issues. And I, I, after a while, I think the players just get numb to all of it. And to them, as you said, you just come to win every single day. You don't get locked into all the outside noise. I, I think that's fair, and I think that's probably the, the, the best way to go about it. Uh, these Today's players have so much on their plate, and, and – uh, if they're going to start worrying about other things and getting their bodies ready and getting their mind ready to go play a baseball game or a 162 game season, you know they've already got they've got families, wives, girlfriends, kids that that are very important. Uh, but if you start letting too many outside factors come in, you're probably not going to perform the way that you're capable of doing. And and I don't think that I think our guys did a tremendous job of not allowing some of those distractions or so-called distractions come in. And you're a lot like the A's. There's a lot of data for all the players, and I always like to ask the managers this. You know, some guys love it, some guys don't. You need to feed it to certain guys certain ways. What is that like for you when you get a lot of new players where you got to kind of figure them out of how are we going to take all this data and how are we going to implement it? Right. It really goes where the, the hands-on approach, uh, whether we acquire a guy in the offseason or developmentally our player development gets introduces a lot of these young players coming up to some of this stuff. Uh, but the staff really takes that hands-on approach, and, and we're going to use it. That's pretty clear. Now, how what you said was was really good. How are we going to deliver it to, to, you know, whether it's the catcher, whether it's the pitcher, whether it's the positioning of an infielder. Uh, and that's where, you know, it takes a special staff, and that's what we have to be able to balance all the different departments of our club. Yeah, because we've now brought on Coco Chris. You remember Coco? And uh, he's now part of our broadcast team. And he'll look at me and go, see ball, hit ball. I want none of that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I play with Coco and uh, special player. And, yeah. uh, you know, he was he's probably the best center fielder I ever saw play until I saw Kevin Kiermeyer play. I'm not going to say which one's better, but Coco was was unbelievable. Uh, and look, when when he played, it was a little bit of a different era. Uh, things the game is changing rapidly with what we're finding out and uh, credit these players that are coming into this game right now and being receptive to all this. You have been a master at handling your bullpen. I think there's no question about it. Everybody in baseball, your bullpen and the way you handle your bullpen is fantastic. But, you know, just, you know, getting ready for the wild card game, knowing just how people are getting healthy, you're going to have much more options next year from your starters we and hope. getting more starts. Yeah, I, think, I mean, you're, you're going to have a big three. 
Yep. Uh, we, well, I, I look, we're going to have a big five, and, and that's assuming we're all healthy. But you look at, obviously, the three with, uh, with Charlie, Blake, and Tyler. Uh, but you cannot you can't not talk about them without talking about Yanni Torinos and what Yar- Ryan Yarbrough did. So those five guys, I mean, we're lucky to have them. Uh, it will be different. Uh, we'll see how, you know, the new rules that are coming out and whether you're ma- matching up or you're not matching up. But we know we got special pitchers. And everybody talks about, you know, the, the different things and the unique things that we do. Uh, you don't do any of those without good pitchers. And we're fortunate that we got really good pitchers. Two new rules. How do you feel? We'll go with the first one. That you bring a guy in, he's got to face three guys. You like it? Um, you know, I haven't put a ton of thought into it from the last three years. No, <laughs> we didn't want to do that. But uh, I trust that our guys upstairs will put their heads together and we'll find a way to make it, you know, an advantage for us. And then the September call-ups, they're going to limit that. And that changes a, a lot of people's bullpen. Yeah, it will. It's going to change. Uh, I think by that time, there will be so much preparation leading into September that everybody will have a pretty good handle on it. It'll be different. I mean, believe me, there's times where we've used eight pitchers a ball game to, to win a game. That's probably not going to take place. We all have. Place. Yeah, we all have. <laughs> uh, and we don't like it when it's done to us. Uh, we like it when we do it to the opposition. Uh, that's going to change. Let's end on this. And we appreciate you stopping by. It means a lot. You know, we talked about with the A's, and I think you feel the same way. This is going to be a real quick off season. It's hard to believe we're, we're at the winter meetings. Hard to believe Thanksgiving's already happened. Christmas is right around the corner. I can already sense that that our people in the building are itching already. Like 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 last year was just another taste of it. What's it like for you guys? Because I got a feeling you guys can't wait for spring training. That's it. That's exactly what it is. I I wish I wish we were going to spring training next week. And I think a lot of our players feel that way. They they were so excited with what they accomplished, uh, appreciated, recognized. We want to do more. We want to have the opportunity to get a little bit farther. Uh, but they're hungry to come back and play. One, one more. Is there anything specifically as a skipper you'd like to see you guys accomplish here in San Diego before you go back? You know what? I, I, the winter meetings, it, cha- it changes year to year. Sometimes a ton of deals get done. Sometimes nothing gets done, and it just lays the groundwork. I mean, like I said, I just flew in. Uh, I'm sure our, our guys are going to talk to a lot of people, but that one thing, no, Strasburg is off the market now, so I guess not. We'll go get coal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, a lot of respect from our end to you guys, knowing Likewise. what you guys do and what, what we have to go through. And uh, it's a lot of fun watching you guys. You know, we're always rooting for you there in the East to take we, down we, the beast in the East. We feel the same way. Hey, thank you very <laughs> thank much. You Enjoy very the much. rest of the time. Thank you. Kevin Cash, the skipper of your Rays. We always we always appreciate it. The Rays have been very good to us throughout throughout the throughout the years, providing us with people and uh they are they're a tough group, man. They're 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 tough to beat. There is no question about it. And we saw that in the wild card game. Cody? Not a bad first uh day here. I mean Mark yep. Gonzalez, Chicago Tribune, Mike Farron of the Diamondbacks and Sirius XM. Uh, the great Brian Kenny from MLB Network. Also, Matt Vaskersian, longtime A's fan from the East Bay. Mickey Morbido, who we from pulled MLB, out of. MLB Network. Mickey Morbido, the greatest traveling secretary of all time. Kevin Cash, the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays and former general manager and three-time World Series champion, Bobby Evans, former Giants GM. So tomorrow, so we can forward promote, we're going to have Jim Duquette. Uh, we're going to talk with Bob Melvin, Chris Mad Dog Russo, and Eduardo Perez from ESPN, and possibly Alex Pavlovich from NBC Sports Bay Area. So far, working on others. We'll see. We are. I'm hoping we can 
taped his interview with Chris Woodward. We'll see. I'm still waiting for the Rangers. On your computer, it says, try not to suck. That's all I ask of you. Yeah, that's a, that's a great Joe Madden quote. I'm all one right. Of, I'm one of Joe Madden's dudes. That's going to do it for day one of the winter meetings here for A's Cast Live. We'll continue to cover this like nobody else will be here tomorrow from 1 to 4 and Wednesday 1 to 4. Thank you to listening to A's Cast. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. Coming up next, we're going to replay this great show, and we'll see you all tomorrow here in San Diego at 1 o'clock. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 